Central Florida. Even I know who these guys are, Marcel Robinson. Hey, me too. Does Tyler Jordan know who these guys are? A uh, little bit, a little bit. How you doing? Hey, good, man. Good to see you. Glad to have you in. Brent Martineau along with Marcel Robinson. And, uh, man, we got the reinforcements today. Also Scott in for Coos. What's fellas? Who I'd much rather have blocking for me. <laughs> and definitely this guy blocking for me. And that's Tyler Jordan, former uh, Bishop Kenny High School stud. Graduated in 2015. Then went to Florida and had a nice career with the Florida Gators. And we'll talk all about that and where he sees the Gator program and, of course, some of the things coming out of SEC Media Days. So he stops by, and he's coaching a little high school football, uh, kind of working on life after football. So uh, we'll hear all about uh, Tyler Jordan. But Rolling Stones Day in Jacksonville. It's finally here. You know, we almost did the show from the parking lot, but I was afraid of exactly what's happening in the last hour, and that was a lot of rain. Uh, but it should clear out uh, from the sounds of it, at least from Mike Barish and what I was listening to yesterday. I sometimes half listen to Barish while we're doing sports on TV side of things on CBS 47 and Fox 30. But I think it will be okay tonight. might be a little bit wet in the early going, but the gates uh, or the parking lots don't even open until about 4 o'clock. So it uh, should be a fun night there. First time in 30 years for Mick Jagger and the gang, uh, the Rolling Stones. So we'll have some Rolling Stones songs throughout the day, just appropriate. Uh, but we will not spend too much time talking music here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Well, I might not be an expert in a lot of things. I'm definitely not an expert in music, so we won't do it. Open Championship, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson missed the cut in a major for the first time ever. They missed the cut in the same major. Think about that statistic. I think it was 83 majors. That's wild. I, I had to like double read it, triple read it, quadruple read it, nanupal read it, <laughs> like the nine over that uh, David Duvall made yesterday. Uh, Tiger misses the cut. He actually played okay today, one under par. Uh, last check, where McIlroy was trying to get to the cut line, which is around one under. I'll have to check on that in just a moment. But we'll give you a score update. See how things are going. A lot of guys with a chance on the weekend at the Open Championship as uh, the conditions were somewhat benign most of the day. So the scoring was pretty good, especially in the early going uh, over there in northern Ireland. But uh, let's say hello to Tyler Jordan. Oh, by the way, Calais Campbell conversation uh, a little bit later on in the program, too. So what you been up to, man? Life after football. I think you had a workout or two for an NFL team, if I'm not mistaken. Remind us of what happened. Uh, We were at the pro day. So we saw you inside the facility. And ever since then, what has Tyler Jordan been up to? Which would have been what back in like uh, March. Right. What have you been up to? Uh, so I had a workout, um, like a pro day, local pro day with the Buccaneers. Okay. And with the Jaguars. And then after the draft, I'd say about 30 minutes after the draft, I had um, like a, I got an invite from the Jaguars and from the Falcons, and I decided to go up to Atlanta because um, the O line coach had actually reached out to me probably a week, week and a half prior to the draft. And I got up there and got to go work out for them for three days. Um, and it was a lot of fun. But, you know, as we all know, it's a business. So you got to keep moving on. Yeah, what was that like uh, for the few days? I mean, did did you and, – and I guess on the other side of that is some guys try and try and try and chase it and chase it. Uh, have you decided to stop chasing? Uh, yeah, I think I think so. Um, you know, I, I want to move on with my life and, you know, set up my career for the future. And I'm excited to do that. You know, I got my chance and 
that's a lot farther than a lot of people have gotten, and I was blessed to be able to do that. Yeah, it's a great story, actually, Tyler Jordan, from uh, the high school days. We were covering you at Bishop Kenny. I, I, I say this a lot, and we're going to get into this a little bit later on. Uh, we're, we're talking some Florida Gators about what their team is like right now. It's kind of the time when you were there, which was uh, a changeover time right into Dan Mullen, where it looks like he's left it and started in a really good spot and has some momentum. But, you know, around here... We talk Florida State. We talk Miami. There's even some UCF conversation. Of course, Georgia's been so good. Uh, SEC East predictions are out. Once again, Georgia picked to win the East. Florida right behind. But so many people want to go to the University of Florida. But what I always remember, and I'll probably always remember this about Tyler Jordan, when he signs to go to Florida and we talk about talk to him and then we talk to him in his freshman year and you go down to Gainesville in his sophomore year. I don't know if I've ever experienced a kid coming out of high school that wanted to play for a school that much. I mean, you were you were like a Florida guy from day one. Right. And you were fired up to be a Florida guy. And if they told you you would have had to sit in the nosebleeds, I think, instead of the <laughs> sideline, I feel like you would have been a Florida guy. Absolutely. You know, I grew up a Gator fan. Um, grew up going to a couple games, watched every game as a kid um, on TV. And I got the opportunity to be a Gator. And that's something that I've, I'd always dreamed of as a kid. Yeah. And I just, you could tell it oozed out of Tyler. Uh, and on top of that, uh, I think he had a way better career on the offensive line for the University of Florida than anybody would have ever predicted for you. Right. You played a lot of football games, and I'm not sure. I, I'll even admit to you, I didn't know what. I thought you'd be more of a depth player right. uh, when you came out of high school for Florida. Well, you were more than that. I mean, you must have been really pleased with how it transpired and you had opportunities. Right. I was, um, but at the same time, I thought I came in at a perfect time. You know, depth was very low. Yeah. And I got in, was able to contribute, um, started out camp being on the two deep, and you know, I worked every single day and ended up being able to play in every game as a freshman, and I ended up getting my chance to start the last three games of the year. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, so it was a fun career. You saw a lot. Uh, it wasn't always fun times at, uh, in Gainesville while you were there, but uh, stuck it out and, and saw the turnaround. So we'll ask you a little bit about Dan Mullen later on. By the way, that's the interview portion of the program. <laughs> now you turn into co-hosts. Right, no <laughs> more questions like that. Well, probably will be some questions cool. just with your experience, but... Uh, you're now co-host, so you, that means you can make fun of me, you can make fun of Marcel. Be careful with Scott, he gets a little angry. Yeah, I was talking to him I'm earlier. I'm sensitive, what? <laughs> but feel free, okay, jump cool. in, whenever. Uh, how you doing, Marcel? I'm doing good. Nice lid. You know, I do what I can. I think I think I'm the perfect model for this actually. Yeah, don't if you're checking out uh, well, soon enough you'll ch see it on the video feeds and uh oh, I'm modeling in the break. You will have to showcase it. You better believe. Uh it. since Austin's not here for the whiteboard, but we got some new lids from Dome Hats. And see what I some people argued with me about the trucker style hats. It's like the rope mm -hmm. trucker style hats. Mm -hmm. You like it? Yeah, I mean it's like we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago, I, th I think you know style is is a it's a rotating you know deal. I think that the trucker hats are kind of coming back now. I think uh, I want to say, uh, man, a few years ago I think it was kind of a thing, and then they went away for you know the snapbacks and, and you know the the uh, the dad hats are coming back. Yeah. But I think Duffner had a um a trucker style hat on last year at the players. I think and you're everyone right. uh, bought that hat, so it's kind of got the puffy feel, right? Yeah. It's yeah. Cool. I, I think it's, uh, you know, the, the guys at Dome said a lot of, like, people like to hang at the beach with them. Yep. Um, yep. So, I mean, when you look like this, you figure a lot of people like to hang with us at the beach, too. I so mean, now you can wear us on your head. I will this say, though. Jacks. People want to hang with us everywhere. Yeah, there we go. Now, the question here is, I don't think I'm allowed to wear the hat. Why not? Because I don't think I want to wear a hat with my picture on it. What? 
I would. <laughs> I'll rock it. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, yes, you would. I almost, I almost wore a personalized jersey with my name on the back that ain't the word, so <laughs> that tells you a lot about me. Uh, all right. Uh, so we got some hats in, and I think what I got a good amount of hats, not like a million of them, but a good amount of hats. So, you know, throughout the – maybe we do some giveaways and, and those kind of things. So uh, – We'll have some fun with the hats. Austin Lane not here. He should check in or might check in depending on uh, when his weigh-in is and how things go in Tallahassee. But he's got a fight tomorrow night against Cam Graham in Tally. So uh, he will be in the cage and uh, not here today. But hopefully we'll check in with him as he gets ready for that fight. And uh, he will share some information about how you can see the fight, where you can find it, all those things. And I think we'll have it a little bit for uh, everybody on Action Sports Jack's primetime tomorrow night. We'll try to find uh, a little fight music for Austin here. You got some? I thought for a second with the Top Gun trailer, you might go with Top Gun. That's a little fight strategy here. One hit to the body. Very good. One hit straight to the heart from the stone. I like it. Oh, there we go. I like it. I mean, let's just go out on this. And when we come back, we'll talk some Florida Gators. Where's the program right now coming off SEC Media Days? Can they catch Georgia? I think the gap is bigger than a lot of Gator fans believe. We'll talk about it uh, with Tyler Jordan, who was just on campus the last four years uh, up until a few months back. He joins us today on the program, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Now, back to Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. I got new headphones, and, like, I'm rocking here. Sounds good. New phones, new me. New cans, who does? New is good. (laughs) Brent Martin, Marcel Robinson. Scott is here in for Coos. Upgrade. And Tyler Jordan, former Gator. Next Former Bishop up. Kenny star. <laughs> Next man up. Very good. Uh, hey, you know, I forgot to leave out the rest of your story. Uh, we got back to the Florida Gators and your NFL uh, tryout, and then you said, okay, moving on. Well, moving on means you're, you're helping out with Bishop Kenny, high school football, right? I am. I'm actually um, – I talked to Coach Tim Krause and said, hey, I want to come back and coach, and he said, let's do it. So um, it's been a lot of fun so far. I've been helping run the workouts. And I'm just excited for the season to get started. Yeah, what's it like to be on the other side? I mean, you just got yelled at for the last, like, 22 years, and now you can go yell at somebody else. It's interesting. You know, <laughs> I'll be in a meeting just sitting there um, just talking about the expectations and everything, and I'm sitting there thinking, like, back when I was a player, I had no idea that they did all that. Yeah. And now I'm sitting there, like, thinking, do they talk about like, did they talk about me when I when they were coaches or what? <laughs> yes, they so. did. <laughs> that's the hopefully answer. It was, hopefully it was a good thing. <laughs> Well, that's what we tell our kids now. It's somebody's always watching. Exactly. Uh, and, and that is uh, usually the case. It, you know, it is amazing, too, and you're probably seeing this a little bit more. No surprise in the NFL because of how many coaches they have and how much money is involved. Right. No surprise, really, in college football because the coaching, there's a ton of money involved. Now, obviously, not for the players, but for the school and, and the football program and the head coach and the assistants. I mean, the dollars are insane now. So you, you get the amount of work. And, and to to that degree, there was a lot of work that went in when the dollars weren't insane. Right. But I think my point here is the high school football coaches put in a ton of work. And let me tell you something. They don't get paid a lot, most of them. In fact, it might be a little bit of a topic we'll have later on in the program because somebody brought it up in a tweet to me. Um, or just general. They were talking. I think it was Micah Ross because he's done some yeah, coaching. it was him. 
Mm-hmm. And he brought it up just how underpaid high school coaches are in Florida. I think he was talking about in general, but I would revert it back to football, especially because if you go to Georgia or Texas or some other places, I mean, some of those guys get paid six figures yeah, to yeah. coach high school football. Not the case here in, uh, in, in Florida. So I, I guess my question is, are you, is it opening your eyes just how much those guys do, even though the check at the end of the day is not massive? Uh, yeah. And I think I will kind of realize that more once the season starts, you Probably, know, because yeah. there's going to be a lot of work that I'm going to have to do, um, even after the games, um, just writing, kind of copying scripts and putting them and sending them out to um, players so they can get kind of evaluate themselves after the games and breaking down film. Um, but it it's kind of similar because I've been doing a little bit of work that's kind of similar to what a college grad assistant would do. Okay. Um, you know, helping helping make plays for the draw, plays for the playbook, um, studying some film, breaking down film. Have you so, had to get coffee yet? Uh no, but I actually went to, um, before a meeting, Coach Krause was busy. He actually asked me to run the dailies for him. And, uh, <laughs> grab him a sandwich. Hey, there so, you go. That's all right. So it begins. That's just helping out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but yeah, now this might, there might be more to that. That's all right. <laughs> Down the road. Uh, you were actually telling us a story. You almost wore a gator shirt today. Oh, oh man. Um, but apparently, uh, all those, uh, ironing days in college have passed you by. Yeah, I'm, during college, I may have ironed like three times. But it was like throw stuff in the dryer or keep it in the shower, like turn the shower water on, let the steam yeah, um, get yeah. the wrinkles out. That's like an old trick. I've yeah. done both of those this week, by the way. <laughs> this week. <laughs> but I was ironing, and um, I was ironing a gator shirt, like a dry fit polo. I'm just trying to bust some of the wrinkles out, and I don't know what happened, but the shirt's ruined, and part of the shirt's burned. Ah, uh, there so, you go. Well, that will happen on the dry fit. I think you have to be careful yeah. with the iron. Yeah. I, now, listen, I'm the far from expert, expert when it comes to ironing. But uh, here we go with the polo shirt instead, yeah, too. like the actual polo shirt. All right, let's take us. Uh, we'll get to high school stuff a little bit later. I do want to ask you more about it. We've got some cool things going on in high school. Uh, I'll share a little bit of that, and we'll we'll launch more of that stuff uh, in the coming weeks. But Gainesville, as now an outsider, right. but an alum, you you come off that big year last year. Where do you see everything? Because it's been a mixed bag. It's been, wow, there's a ton of momentum. Wow, sixth in the country, uh, winning 10 games. Nobody expected it. Dan Mullen, uh, Felipe Franks, look at the way he played. Can he take the next step? But then there's also been players leaving. Right. Uh, the recruiting trail has been good and then stumbling blocks. So I feel like uh, there's momentum, but not maybe where it felt like it was coming off the season in January and February. Mm. Now I'm scratching my head a little bit more. What's your outlook at What's about to take place in Gainesville the next six months? Well, um, I know what the fans kind of kind of see, but kind of having that inside perspective still, like having a lot of buddies that yeah. still play, um, there's a lot of confidence brewing still in Gainesville, um, and it excites me. You know, especially with new facilities like the new locker room that just they just opened up a couple days ago, um, and even some of the some of Michael P. Ryan's quotes on um, SEC Media Day. So it's kind of cool just to. That's pretty much just his quotes are kind of the confidence that the whole team has right now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some of those things as far as I don't even consider Tennessee a rival. Right. Well, <laughs> I don't think as a guy who grew up around Florida's program, you probably think Tennessee's a rival. Uh, a little bit. But um, <laughs> the way the score went out last year. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It was it was really nice. Yeah. It was it was, it was <laughs> awesome. There were a lot of scores that were really nice for the Gators yeah. last year. Michigan. So, 
Michigan, Florida State. Florida State. I'll take mm-hmm. everything, but really, probably, I mean, there's a few, obviously, yeah. but the Georgia one, obviously, from a rival standpoint, is the one you'd like to get. Right. The Kentucky streak broke. Right. What changed last year in the program after the Kentucky game? Because things could have got sour there right. in Gainesville. Instead, you guys were able to flip it. I think it was kind of our wake-up call, and I think it was very beneficial for us. Um, that was a, It feels like forever ago. Yeah, it does but, feel um, like forever ago. But I think it was just really beneficial and really good for us to kind of say, hey, we can't go into a game assuming we're going to win. You know, we had this big streak against Kentucky, and we can't go in like that to every game. We can't go into that any game. And I think that kind of showed a little bit um, when we played South Carolina. We were down um, yeah. half. And that was a big second half. We ended up having to fight and come back, and I think that was another big turning, big point for us in the season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, Dan Mullen. Why did he do it? What's so special about Mullen uh, that that flipped that thing right. one year? But one year's now in the rear view. So, uh, what makes this guy maybe the next Urban, you know, right. or Steve Spurrier, the guy that's brought so much those those guys that have brought so much success to to Florida football? Well, he changed the whole energy of the program. Um, everybody was buying in when he came. Um, it took about a week because after after a week, you know. Coach Savage was kicking our butts, yeah. and um, we kind of learned to buy, like buy in and take accountability of our actions, and you know go to class and do things that are going to benefit the team and pay attention to those details. And I think just by paying attention to the details helped us kind of pay attention to the little details on the field too. Yeah, listen, I think uh, in life, I believe the hardest thing to do is change. You know, if you're person, if you're looking in the mirror and you need to change, I think one of the hardest things to do is change. Right? Right. Yeah. I mean, there's there's all the steps you have to take to do it, and exactly. then the willpower to do it. But think about it from a, a culture standpoint. Right. It's a difficult thing to get a group of people to change. Yeah. And he was able to accomplish that uh, pretty quickly. Uh, Marcel Robinson, Georgia fan. <clears throat> uh, I'm sure you knew that until right now. Yeah, I was, uh, when he told me the story initially about burning his shirt, <laughs> there were some feelings on the inside. <laughs> he said he ruined it with the iron, and I said, you know what? Me and Tyler, we haven't talked in a while. I'm just going to keep it. Keep it <laughs> you went to Gainesville uh, a few times last year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As, as I mean, I don't know where I rule you as like diehard dog fan. You're like a dog fan, but kind of like you're the media guy too. You know, like you can keep it. I can be objective. You can, yeah. I think yeah. you do a good job of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike some other people in this town, <laughs> and some other people in our office. Um, but uh, hashtag triggered. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you. How close do you think the Gators? are getting how close do you think that gap is did they narrow it a year ago uh given how far it was it felt like two years ago uh honestly i think it's um uh, i think they've shortened it quite a bit but i do think it, it's fairly you know fairly wide i think me and you talked about this uh maybe midtime last year i th- i still think that they're probably maybe a year or two away from really competing with georgia for that top spot but i do think that they covered a lot of ground um, obviously it's all going to depend on the quarterback position. You know, what step Felipe Franks takes this year, which by all accounts say that, you know, he looks pretty well. He's got, you know, a, a deeper understanding of the playbook. And obviously going into year two with Dan Mullen, you, you got to expect him to be better. I mean, uh, Dan Mullen's, you know, n- well known for being a quarterback guy. Um, and then just hearing him talk, hearing them talk at media days and, and kind of throughout, you know, the summer workouts and everything like that. I, I feel like they're, they've taken some steps. I think the gap is still pretty wide. I, I would caution anyone who's a uh, a Georgia fan other than myself to uh not expect last year to happen again 
as far as like from a scoring standpoint. But I think that I think that Dan Ballin's the right guy, and I, I believe that at some point he'll get that thing going. Um, I just think that they're maybe a year or two away. Yeah, and I don't know. I guess in the you know this game was not like a blowout here. It, no, it's it's an interesting deal because. That one game means a lot in flipping the rivalry, gaining mm-hmm. that ground, closing the gap, and it can mean a lot in a season. I mean, I think right. this year's Florida season could come down to this game in Jacksonville. And so many times it does. It, it really yeah. flips the script. Of course. Mm-hmm. But I don't get the, Like, I would still probably argue if Florida had beaten Georgia last year, I would still say there's a gap. I would I'm sitting there looking at five-star after five-star after five-star, QB after QB after QB, and what Kirby's been able to do. And I would say, well, I still feel like, you know, so my point is one game, although it can flip it within a calendar year, mm-hmm. I'm not sure it flips it in the whole grand scheme, whole of, scheme things. of things. Right. So we'll see what happens in that game. And it can flip it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think for Georgia's sake, after Florida had such a nice run against them, yeah. for Kirby to come in and beat you guys, mm-hmm. you know, to say, okay, we had to get over that hump. Mm-hmm. And now Kirby's got a different hump. Now he's got to get over Alabama, right? Now he's right. got to go win the big one. Right. So it's a different kind of uh, mm-hmm. step to take. I mean, you've been out on that field, man. There's yep. a lot of five stars running around on, on that other so- sideline, that bad sideline for the colors that you wear. Uh, how yep. good are they de- depth-wise? How good have they been, like, in the trenches? And, I mean, it, where do you see the gap from uh, from a talent standpoint and a depth standpoint? I mean, I think once you get on the field, um, you know, to an extent, everybody's working hard and everybody, there's a reason you're going to play in an SEC school. There's a reason college is recruiting you because they think you can, they can turn you and mold you into the player they want you to be. And, you know, when you stack up against players like that, it's really, I think, I don't say as much talent. I think it's um, a lot of the game plan and the coaching and the stupid mistakes that you make, the penalties, um, the drops, the bad reads. Yeah, the moment. Yeah. So it's just, it's just mistakes you make in the game. Um, they add up. Yeah, I, I I mean I agree with you. I mean that's a little bit of that sport too. I mean right. football is going to come down to three or four plays, and mm-hmm. there were plays that swung that game. All right, Felipe Franks. Uh, I'm assuming you're a supporter. Uh, right. You saw his growth last year. Why did he grow so much in your opinion last year? And, and what's the ceiling for this guy? I think a uh, the first thing was a simplified offense. Um, Coach Mullen came in and kind of dumbed it down for everybody. Yeah, you know. And, uh, um, play faster that way. Yeah, you play faster, play on the scheme that we were playing. We kind of switched from more of a pro scheme to a, like a full on spread scheme. And mm-hmm. I think that helped us a lot. And, um, Coach Mullen's such a good quarterback coach that I think that built a lot of confidence in, um, in Felipe as well. Yeah, how much, I mean, it looked like the team rallied around him. I mean, there was a time, remember middle of last year where it was like, it, it looked like it could flip on, Felipe, it was the like Missouri oh, game. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, and and the whole were those the comments right after the Missouri game about the crowd and about hearing stuff? I think Felipe was acknowledging the fact that hey, I'm hearing the noise, right? You know, mm-hmm. um, and that's when you got to kind of dig in and be like, hey, we got your back. And right. then all of a sudden, you exuded this confidence the last five games of the season, six games of the season right. that we hadn't seen out of it. And listen, com- it's a confident game, man. It's a com- life is about confidence. Exactly. I mean, whether you're walking into work at eight a.m. or you're walking on a football field at one in the afternoon. Right. It seemed like he got that. Yeah. And um, Mullen stresses a lot of stuff, knowing how to do it and knowing why you do it. And the knowing why you do things is the confidence that you're talking about. So, 
Pretty good stuff. I want to yeah. ask you a little bit. We're going to get into Jags next. Okay. I'm going to ask you about Jawan Taylor. Okay. Obviously, you're a guy that knows him a bit. Uh, and we're less than a week away from training camp. Uh, some Jaguars thoughts. And a little bit later, like an hour from now, my one-on-one conversation with Calais Campbell, which will probably spin us into a little Yannick Ngakwe talk and, and everything else uh, who will show up uh, for Jags training camp in a little bit less than a week. Brett Martin along with Marcel Robinson. Scott's in for Coos. Tyler Jordan, former Gator, former Bishop Kenny star right here in Jacksonville. He's joining us as a co-host filling in for Austin Lane here on a Friday. Hope you had a good week, everybody. Drive safe in some of this rain. And it's Rolling Stones Friday here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. I love it. Tyler Jordan's getting some critiques from Dad. Something's yeah. never changed. <laughs> Take it easy on him, Dad. Yeah, I know. He just sent me a picture. Um, <laughs> they're actually, yeah, they're streaming it to the TV. I like it. See, that? Uh, that's in. what you can do. So, right. Hey, by the way, Dad, don't just stream it when Tyler's on. Stream it all the time. Uh, we would appreciate it. Uh, all different platforms you can get us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, if you're into the Twitch site, on Twitter, at Brent A.S. Jacks. Of course, uh, on the stream, ESPN690.com, on your radio dial, espn six ninety. And uh, also on a couple of apps, too. So we are all over the place. And uh, welcome you in on a Friday. Brent Martineau along with Tyler Jordan sitting in for Austin Lane and uh, having some fun with him. The former Gator, former Bishop Kenny High School offensive lineman and uh, now coaching some at uh, Bishop Kenny. We'll talk some high school football in a little bit. we got balling and falling coming up in a moment, too. But uh, you know what we are a couple of days away from is the Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, we'll hear from Calais Campbell. Uh, on the week before uh, training camp begins in about an hour or so. But let's talk some Jags right now. You a lifelong Jags fan? Always. Season ticket holder back in the day, too. Yeah. How old are you? I'm 22. You're 22. So, okay. So, I mean, Doug, we're celebrating the 25th season. Yeah. Gosh, that's crazy. <laughs> that is, yeah. <laughs> All right, Scott, are you going to be right back because you just heard he was born in 1997, so you're getting out of here? That's a little bit. I'm feeling real old right now. I'm the oldest guy in the room. I'm going to step out and, and check my heart real quick, yeah. make sure I can make it through the day. That's yeah, a good idea. Only till 6 we need you, okay, bud? <laughs> I mean, we hope you make the weekend and beyond, but until 6 at the very least. Uh, man, that is so weird. That is weird to hear. Like, you really don't make me feel old. Like, I don't... I don't feel old. How about this? My my little sister, she's a freshman in college now. 2001. That is just that's crazy, wild. man. Yeah. I mean, my kids are 2005. So, which that's scary because she's 2001 yeah. and in college, which means my kids are going that's right soon. Right around the corner. <laughs> uh, but 1990. It's almost like I feel. Uh, if you tell me a 2000 birthday, it actually feels like. I feel older when you tell me a 1997 birthday. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's like strange because you don't feel like you could be my kid, but you could actually be my kid. Yeah. I have to scary. get started a little early, but uh, that's all right. That's <laughs> scary. <laughs> it could happen. Uh, anyway, uh, thanks to Dad for listening. And lifelong Jags fan, 2017, so much fun. 2018, maybe the most disappointing season in Jacksonville Jaguars history. Yeah. And uh, I relate the Jags a lot of times. To the Gators. Right. Because I say, watch out, Gators. In 2017, the Jaguars had everything go right. 
Yep. Everything. I mean, I say everything. A lot of things go mm-hmm. right. Injuries, they stayed very healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they faced schedule. schedule with a lot of backup quarterbacks. The ball bounced their way, you know. Uh, you know, and then they, in the playoffs, they got a couple bad calls uh, against the Patriots. But for the most part, they, they got bounces. I feel that way a little bit about Florida football last year. A lot of things went Florida's way. You guys stayed healthy right. on that offensive line. You stayed yep. healthy in a lot of areas. You had some good experience coming back. Um, and so it's just sports. You know, some things are out of your control in sports. Last year, Jaguars played 16 offensive linemen. I don't know many teams that are going to win many games if you're playing 16 offensive linemen. So that's uh, so that's where I kind of relate. I even relate it to Felipe Franks, the Blake Bortles stuff to Felipe Franks. Some people said no chance, and then all of a sudden Blake was good, leads him to the AFC title game. Felipe had a good year. We'll see where Felipe goes. Uh, there was a mixed bag all about Blake last year all the way up until after the Patriots game, and then – it all fell apart for Blake. So I draw a lot of parallels, actually, between 17 and 18 for the Jags and maybe what's to come, at least from a cautionary tale uh, for Florida Gator fans. And that's just sports. But now I kind of feel like the flip side. I think things even out. That was the high low for the uh, for the Jags, uh, the high of uh, 2017, where everything goes right. Last year, about everything went wrong in 2018. And now you kind of find a middle ground. So that's why I think a lot of people have them at eight and eight, you know, or seven and nine or maybe nine and seven. But you know what I say that I was telling somebody the other day and that's the NFL. You know, think about this. I think I did this. uh, This will be the 25th season of the Jags. And I think I went back and looked this up that the Jags have finished eight and eight twice. Twice. I think it's twice. It might be three times, but I'm going to go with twice because it makes it more dramatic. Um, It's an eight and eight league. And the Jags have only finished eight and eight twice in 24 years. That seems a little. They have been really good at times, especially early on, and a lot of times they've been really bad. How many times has this team picked in the top ten in a row or top five and all those things? So uh, I feel like the Jags are kind of where they should be now. That's where an NFL team should be. You yeah. kind of start at eight and eight, right? And where does Nick Foles take you? What kind of happens with the injuries? Do some of the young guys emerge at DJ Chark? Does D.D. Westbrook take the next step? Do some of these guys come back for, you know, all these ifs that are around every football team. I feel like the Jags are now in a place where, okay, that's where 28 of the teams are starting out in in the NFL. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I, feel, I, I agree with you 100%. I think that 8-8, eight and eight, most people around here would look at that as kind of a bad thing just because of the highs in 2017. But I think when you, when you look at it, an 8-8 eight and eight team essentially means that, for the most part, you have your foundation kind of set, and then you can kind of go from there. I mean, if you, you want to make sure you have the right, you know, basic pieces in play before you can kind of make that jump. Because the last thing we want to do is uh, what we did the last two years. You don't want to go up and then come all the way back down, and then all, there's all this uncertainty. I wouldn't think 8-8 eight and eight is a bad thing. And like you said, most of the league is kind of hovering around there, which is about where you want to be. You know, you get 8-8. Eight and eight, Find a way to sneak into the playoffs, and everybody's zero and zero, and then you make your run from there. Yeah, or you win a couple of close games, and now you're nine and seven, or ten and six, right. and and or if things go really well, you're eleven and five. Mm-hmm. You have a couple mm-hmm. of injuries, you don't make the close plays, well, you're six and ten. Yeah. That's kind of the way it works. What are, are you? Are you sunshine and rainbows on the Jags this year? What's your take on them? Oh, well, my thing is, I think that um, with Telvin not being the, not being present for this year, I think. Um, Quincy Williams has got to step up. Yeah. And um, I think the offensive line needs to be healthy. And I, if they're healthy, I think 
that they can take the team as far as they want to go. Think about it this way, okay? Uh, as we're talking about an eight and eight football team that many people predict. I mean, some people say seven nine. I say nine and seven. Jags were five and eleven last year. They lost a bunch of close games and and they were a miserable football team. But their defense kept them in it. And I believe that the injuries will count for two wins for the Jags. And I think Nick Foles, mm-hmm. given the upgrade at quarterback, which. 100% of the people across America agree he's an upgraded quarterback. I think he's good for two wins. Some of those close games, he makes a play, and he wins. Right. So that's why I have him at 9-7. and seven. That's my explanation for it. But a lot of people have him at 7-9, and 8-8. Eight and eight. Maybe you go 9-7. and seven. I don't see many people at 10-6 and six or 11-5. and five. And honestly, I don't know if I see too many people at like 4-12 and 12 or no. uh, even a 5-11. and 11. So yeah. it's kind of right in the middle there. And you just brought it up. I mean, you got to stay healthy. All the uh, offensive line, Leonard that's Fournette. any team. Eight and eight football team, okay? So we'll start right there with an elite defense. We all agree with that. Now, how elite? I think that's debatable. And a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Do you get the idea that if we were anywhere else other than Jacksonville? Might be talking about the Jags like the Cleveland Browns are being talked about. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Like the Chargers are being talked about. Absolutely. I I think that if it was anywhere other than Jacksonville, I think that the talk of the hype of the Jaguars would be real. But I think a lot of that comes into play that after 2017, so many people were so high on the Jags. And then what happened, you know, last year, I think a lot of people are nervous to kind of, you know, drink that Kool-Aid again because of, you know, the but there being so many questions going into like training camp. We're not even at the season yet. Um, I think if this team can come out eight and eight with all the uncertainty and everything that's going on this off season heading into training camp, I think that's a big win. Actually, the question is too: Does eight and eight good enough to, depending on how it goes? See, I think eight and eight's interesting. If eight eight and eight is eight and five from two thousand and ten that drops to eight and eight, well, then I think people are going to start talking about coaching staff and all the other things. Right. If eight and eight is kind of hey. You know what? It, maybe you're going back and forth. You know, or maybe you started two and five and you can rally to go eight and eight. Different kind of story. So there's a feel to eight and eight. That's true. I, you know, yeah, yeah, that I can feel that. disappointing or that can feel good. Right. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see uh, which way the Jags uh, go on that. Big news today out of the NFL: they will not suspend Tyreek Hill. He is good to go for the Kansas City Chiefs. So if you think about game number one of the season for the Jags, already a not about daunting task, but a tough task to one of the hottest. Uh, well, the hottest name in the NFL and Patrick Mahomes and really one of the hottest teams of last year. I think they will drop off a little bit. I think it's good to try to catch him in week one. It would have been better to catch him without Tyreek Hill. <laughs> Much. <laughs> uh, were you a little stuck? I don't want to go into it just yet. We'll talk about it in, in a little bit about Tyreek Hill in the NFL and, uh, you know, if it's a bit hypocritical what the NFL has done, did they have a choice here other than this move? Uh, because a lot of people on face value will say, what the heck, yeah, the NFL? Right. Yeah. Why didn't you do anything? Um, I just, just overall surprised. Were you surprised at? Overall, honestly, uh, no. You weren't? I was not surprised. Really? I wasn't surprised. See, I was. I thought for sure it would be a two or three game at the minimum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, who knows where it goes. But I thought it would have been like, okay, Tyreek Hill suspended for the first couple of games. That's what I thought would have happened. Yeah, yeah, we couldn't find enough information. But there yeah. was enough that concerned us. And we're doing here's this. Your, and then here's your punishment. Yeah. yeah so, I, I 100% disagree with it. But 
Am I surprised that that's the way the NFL went? No. No. All right. Uh, hey, Ballin' and Fallin' coming up next here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Might get a little bit more into the Tyreek Hill situation. More on the Gators. More on Florida State coming off ACC Media Days later on the program. Calais Campbell interview as well. Uh, but coming up next, uh, Ballin' and Fallin' on a Rolling Stones Friday here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Hey, it's Mike Golick from Golick and Wingo. You're listening to Action Sports Jack with our friend Brent Martineau on ESPN 690. Hey, welcome back. Action Sports Jack's ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. No Austin Lane today. Instead, Tyler Jordan, former Gator, former Bishop Kenny High School offensive lineman, now coaching a little bit at Bishop Kenny and uh, fresh off his collegiate career with the Florida Gators, helped in that turnaround uh, with Dan Mullen and the Gators going to 10-3 and a season ago, finished in the top 10 in the country, beat Michigan in the bowl game. Marcel Robinson along with us wearing a very cool hat, uh, which is good, and Scott in for coups. So uh, we are calling ourselves the replacements, but a far better team. Easily hey, check stick better. scars. <laughs> uh, always good to have Scott. It's been a while, Scott. It's been a hot minute, man. I mean, Coos didn't take a time off, or I think what happened is we took like a week off around 4th of July, mm-hmm. so that way we were tired of Coos taking so much time off, we just said, you know what, we'll just take the week. Well, that must have been nice, because some of us were still here for all of that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Apologies. It's all good. It's all good. You got some Opportun- time. You got opportunities some time. when they happen, man. You got some time coming up? I got a little thing planned coming up at the end of October that's going to involve a, a bit of a road trip. Oh, yeah? Can you share? Indeed, I can. I think I'm going to uh, hop on a plane, fly across the pond, and do my part for the cause over in London at the Wembley. Oh, so you're going to go to the game? Yes, sir, I am. Oh. Wow. Are, are you working? Nah, I bought a ticket as an old-fashioned pedestrian, going to be out there as a civilian doing my thing. Is it? Will that be the first time you've been to London? I went last year. To the game? Yes, sir. Oh, did you enjoy it? Had a blast. Well, I, I guess if you ponied up for another ticket, you enjoyed it. I had a great time. Unfortunately, my uh, my ride and die crew is not available to make the trip this time around, so I'm flying solo this time. But uh, that's cool. It put things at my pace and give me a chance to maybe do a couple of other little things that were more my speed. I like that about you. I did not realize that you had gone over there that last year and you're going again. I, you know, I really enjoy the London trip. I like it. I'm, I'm thinking twice about going this year because of the Florida-Georgia game, and I missed it last year, and we just have so much coverage. So I'm kind of still working on that part. I would hate the fact that it's the same weekend. It's such a, a great opportunity for so many things going on. It's just uh, kind of a drag that they got to be so far apart like that. Yeah, I know. it, uh, But it's a cool atmosphere in London. Oh, it was fantastic. It? it was fantastic. Last year, uh, even despite the fact that uh, Eagles fans have a certain reputation and so forth, yeah. everybody we encountered before the game was fantastic. We had a great time with fans from both teams, with uh, all of the – uh, British folks that were super excited to have us out there. Lots and lots of Jag spirit going on across the pond. It, it really is. They've built the fan base up over there. To I mean, there were a lot of Philly fans because that was a special trip for them, a unique trip. I don't think they had been before to London, so it's a lot of that going on. Yep. But there are we've watched that grow. I mean, we went on the first trip. I've been on all but one trip over to London. And uh, it's, it's pretty eye-opening to see how much it's grown, not just in the Jags, in the uniforms and their Union Jacks program they have over there. But also just across the board. I mean, it's like going to a Super Bowl in a lot of respects because you see all 32 teams' jerseys. Right. And we see them all. And that's what you maybe get a little bit of as a Super Bowl. Uh, the only difference is it's like, it doesn't feel like a corporate event like the Super Bowl 
does. Yep. Yeah, and this year with uh, with the way they've got it set up, they've got two games going on at Wembley, two games going on at Tottenham, and uh, just it's it's blowing up out there, man. The NFL is going to be a big thing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean in, in Europe, the, the NFL and, <laughs> yeah, and the, yeah. In the UK is um, it's really taken root, and it, I think it's probably just a matter of time before we see a team based there. So you feel that way? I feel like that could come in the uh, next couple of years. I think that could happen. Yeah, don't say that around here. Uh, I, I'm not saying any teams going away or anything like that. I'm I'm saying we got some strong commitments, and we're establishing a fan base, and we give them a flavor of their own to enjoy. Yeah, and then uh, we've got an opportunity to set up some really great exchanges going on. Yeah, I, you know, listen, it's a it's an interesting thought. It's a thought I've talked to a lot of people over there and over here about. I I honestly, um, with every fabric of me, don't believe they'll have a franchise over there. And I don't think here's one of the reasons why. There's enough to worry about right now with the new CBA coming out. And they're already starting to work on this thing. And now they don't have to for another couple of years. But they've got some issues. Right. And the players are going to dig in on this new CBA. At least they claim they're going to. Mm-hmm. And I think it's why the owners are trying to get ahead of it right now. And we'll see where that lands. But I think there are so many issues between pay, 47%, going maybe up over 50% uh, to the players, marijuana. Uh, and I just don't think they're going to be able to, the owners are going to be able to slide this by the the players to agree to something with in London uh, with this new CBA coming out. And then what the CBAs last like nine or ten years, right? Eight, yeah, nine, ten years. Like that, yeah. So then you wouldn't be talking about, unless there's an addendum of some sort, something happening until far down the road. But uh, listen, you're not the – I get what you're saying, Scott, and I think it's kind of cool that you've been over there to see it. So that's, that's cool. And I'm glad you're going back again. I just don't see – I think the way they're doing it now is okay. Like you can have – Three games. Maybe you get to four, five, six games. But people want to go over there, too. Right. Like Teams want to go over there because it's dollars. Oh, absolutely. It's great promotion. It's a great opportunity to promote a fan base. It's a fantastic opportunity for the merchants to move all, site, all sorts of team apparel and uh, all sorts of merchandise. And it grows the brand internationally. Yeah. That's not a bad thing at all. What? We had uh, games in Mexico. Um, I'm surprised they're not playing games up in Canada, but I guess with the CFL that kind of makes sense. Um, and Buffalo's done it before. True. In Toronto. Uh, mm-hmm. but I think it was Toronto. Yeah, it was Toronto, I believe it was. Uh, you know, the, the one thing that always sticks out to me, how popular the NFL is, is people who say it's saturated in the States. There's always so much. Now you can maybe make an extra buck here or there, but you can't make like millions more than you're making, or maybe you can, but <laughs> maybe you can't make billions more. It's the one sport that really isn't global. Mm-hmm. You know, basketball yep. is about as global as it gets. Uh, baseball is as global as it gets. Hockey, same thing. You know, and then all I'm talking about the major sports, but then almost every sport, golf, tennis, they're all the global. Soccer, Soccer yeah. they're all global. Football is not. No. You know, and yeah. so there are far-reaching places football can get to um, if it catches on. You know, and I think that's the one thing. That's why I think it's cool that you went over there, Scott, because I think people don't catch on to that. Right. And if you go to, and I'm not like a world traveler. But if you go to name a country, uh, uh, give me to like, give me to like Japan. Yeah. All right. Well, they don't care about the NFL. No, not at all. Like they don't care about it. Mm-mm. Like they, I guess for us, it's like we don't really care about cricket. Sorry, Stuart and cricket <laughs> fans. But now a lot of the world cares about cricket. Yeah. Right. Well, 
There's a lot of the world that feels about the NFL like we feel about cricket, and I think it's hard for us to fathom, mm-hmm. you know, unless you've been there or or kind of stop yourself and think about it. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe this is me picking a fight, and if so, I apologize to any fans I might upset by this comment. But look at what's happening with Major League Soccer. Uh, MLS is growing, the brand, the recognition, the distinctions, but soccer is not what you would consider over the last 20 years, last 30 years, a mainstream sport. It's something that's really coming into its own in the past couple of years. Yeah. That it's getting a major marketing push, getting major publicity and promotion, major airtime opportunities here in the U.S. And to that respect, the NFL presents something domestically, like you said, we're quite saturated. The big events will carry something. Uh, folks abroad will pay attention when we get to playoff season just sure. to see what teams they've heard of them and maybe see who's performing. The Super Bowl is a big deal internationally. That's a good point. But the regular season, yeah, you're kind of hard-pressed to find teams outside of um, the states that are – you're hard-pressed to find fans outside of the states that are following a particular team with uh, significant devotion and investing in that resource to make it a recognizable commodity in that distant community. Yeah, I think it's a good point. I mean, it's always a fun conversation, uh, you know, when you talk about just where the game can go. But now you're starting to see it. You saw it in Toronto. We've seen it in Mexico City, I think, a couple years now. Well, last year they didn't play the game because of the turf. Yeah. And you've seen it in London. Now a couple different stadiums being used. I think someday there's been conversation, will they go to China? It's a long way to go. But could they go play in China where the NBA has uh, a bit of a footprint, right? Yeah. So uh, where does it go 20 years from now? I think right now in the States we're kind of figuring out where is the NFL 20 years from now, 25 years now. Where's youth football with concussion talk and all this other stuff? Mm-hmm. So it's almost like you can't even get where is it globally more so than, okay, where is it in the States? Because it's at such a high point. Right. Stuff always comes back down. Like my My biggest curiosity is when I'm 75 years old and if football does come down a little bit, in terms of the popularity, which it absolutely could, because if we're asking this question like the 50s and 60s, nobody would think Major League Baseball would drop back. Yep. My biggest curiosity is what takes its place. You know, Major League Baseball has dropped down. Football takes its place. NBA has risen. You know, what takes its place? I always thought lacrosse might be that sport. I don't really believe that. Is Probably soccer growing no, fast enough? You know, so I don't know. Uh, it'll be interesting to see which one does. Water polo is the next big thing. Water polo is absolutely fun to play and tiring as heck. It's hard. we got to take a break. So is hitting the clock. That's hard. So is doing balling and falling. You get used to this if you're around me, Tyler, yeah. that I might tease that we have balling and falling, but it's usually for the next segment. Okay. Because then we get on a tangent like London. It's but Scott's it fault. Happen. That was Scott's fault. It's all about his travel plans. <laughs> I own that. So <laughs> all about yourself, man. Come on. All right. Balling and falling when we come back. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jack star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. TIAA Bank Field. Stadium be rocking tonight. And uh, hey, give us a buzz. Star Star 690 is the number. Let us know if you're going. Having some fun. Favorite 
Rolling Stones song. I think you can still check out our Facebook page and kind of vote for your favorite uh, Rolling Stones song. And if they pick it out, you win tickets to like the final show in Miami. Uh, something they're doing, kind of like a request and dedication from the Rolling Stones tonight uh, while they're in Jacksonville. So it uh, should be a lot of fun. It looks like the weather will clear out. I think you're just going to get through a little bit of these afternoon uh, thunderstorms. Having some fun here on a Friday, though. Brent Morteno, along with Marcel Robinson. Scott's in for Coos. And Tyler Jordan's in for Austin Lane. Austin in Tallahassee to fight tomorrow night in the cage. And Tyler Jordan, former Bishop Kenny offensive lineman, played at Florida uh, for the last four years under Jim McElwain and then Dan Mullen. And now he's helping out coach at Bishop Kenny High School. And uh, we connected the last couple of weeks and Austin was going to be off there. I said, come on in. Let's talk some sports. Absolutely. There are worse things to do. Absolutely. I could be sitting in bed sleeping. <laughs> oh. <laughs> do you have a lot of time on your hands now? Um, Right now I do, but um, I've been applying for jobs, and I'm looking for jobs right now. I actually um, I should find out this week whether or not um, I get a teaching job at Bishop Kenny. Awesome. Good so. for you. That would be cool. So do you think you're going to be good at this, like uh, yelling at kids, uh, teaching kids, offensive line stuff, whatever you teach? Like what kind of job teaching-wise? Um, so I'm a uh, – the class is um, – it's called digital information technology. So Whoa. it's a lot of – and okay. I, I majored in telecommunications. So it's a lot of dealing with um, – really the first half would be like Microsoft Office and teaching the kids that. And okay. After that, it's code, a little bit of coding, 3D printing, um, learning how to teach or teaching the kids how to use that. Good stuff. So. You got to be able to do it, Marcel. Yeah. You can't just teach yourself how to edit. That is, that is true. That, that is computer true. programming stuff is. I remember my wife took it, and in college, I didn't have to take it mm-hmm. for what we were doing. And uh, I think she's. I think, if I remember correctly, that it was like the hardest class she took. It's probably like a geometry type of deal where like you either get it or you don't. Right. Like I was pretty good at math, but I was awful at geometry. Right. Just didn't understand it. I don't get it. And I don't mind math in general, but uh, like coding seems to, fo- at least from my, I have no idea. I'm just saying from the outside looking in, coding seem, seems like that for me. Like, yeah, it just doesn't like fit in my brain. Well, I took a coding class um, in college, my or actually this my last year, and it was it was kind of tough. And then you kind of got a hang out of it once you started doing it a couple of times. Um, so I had to code a website for my last project, but it it wasn't anything flashy, but it worked. It worked. Let's go. We hire them when we need to uh, there we a go. website. Yep. Hey, uh, let me know. The uh, by the way, just to uh, follow up on that point, uh, fitting in my brain, there's not a lot that does fit. <laughs> Uh, the brain, quite frankly. All right, let's go. Balling and falling. I did remember that. Uh, balling and falling on a Friday. All three participating today. Yep. What you got, Marcel Robinson? Uh, for me, my balling is going to be by now. I'm sure everyone has seen uh, the viral video of the balance guru. Uh, yeah, with the uh, yeah, I tweeted the, it oh, out yeah, last the, night. The ten dumbbells, him doing you know the push-ups on him. But I I feel like see, this is where where if I'm him, I'm highly upset because what he's doing by far amazing. I don't know one person that I've ever encountered that can do that particular act. The dude playing basketball. Is the focus of the whole thing. Yeah. Baller for That's me is, is the, the older gentleman back there getting buckets. This, I listen, mean. <laughs> this is a radio medium. So we got to tell, if you haven't seen on social media, there's like ESPN yep. tweeted it out. Maybe some other people did, but ESPN is where I saw it. And they mm-hmm. tweeted it out. And the guy is, he has like um, vertical, horizontal, vertical. Yeah, he has vertical. vertical dumbbells. Yep. 
Like 10 of them. Probably 10 of them, yeah. He's probably about uh, maybe 10 feet off the ground. Stacked on each other. Yep. He's got to so get out of a box to get up on it. And he's got to get, yeah, and he, and he actually is like, then puts goes in a stand-up position from the top of these things, which is probably about 10 feet high. And then he does a couple of push-ups. Inverted push-ups. Yeah. About 10 feet off the ground, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was pretty amazing that in itself. But it continue. I just wanted to make sure people had the visual of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know ESPN tweeted. I think the guy's actual handle is uh, the balance guru. But the guy in the back, man, he's he's pushing, you know, 50, 60, you know, maybe 70 back there. Just throwing up jumpers, just getting buckets. Um, that's my ball. I mean, he didn't even take a peek, man. No, no it, I had no idea. No I didn't idea. Even pay attention. Didn't break rhythm. And he nailed, like, every shot. Yeah. that's The guy could shoot. Getting buckets. I, I imagine him about 20 years ago, he was probably schooling up some kids on the blacktop with some high-top converse. All right, there's your balling. What you got, man? You're uh, new to the show, yeah. So, but you um, got a balling. So my balling is the um, Angels last week throwing the no-hitter. Good call. Um, with the mom throwing the first pitch before the game. And then all the – I saw a tweet that was on um, CBS Sports of all the things that kind of happened. Um, it was the franchise's um, 11th no-hitter, um, and he wore 11 in high school. I didn't see that um, one. I mean, yeah. we had a bunch of different ones, like yeah, the seven lot. runs and yeah, the 13. Trout, and Trout hit the 454-foot home run, um, yeah. and his number was 45, and then seven runs in the first and 13 total. Um, and his birthday was 713, yeah. which I thought was really cool. That was really cool. It would have been 28 years old, uh, Tyler Skaggs. And uh, you know, a lot of people continue to ask me, say, so how did he die? And we still don't know. But no. For the most part, police have ruled out suicide and foul play mm-hmm. um, for the most part. But they've really been kind of quiet, at least from what I've read and, and can follow along. And I've heard that the autopsy might take all the way until uh, December to find out. I guess they take six months yeah. sometimes to at least come away with uh, something conclusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least they're ready to determine something conclusive. So. We won't know probably for a few months, but uh, sad story that turned into kind of a uh, a really special night. Yeah, uh, a week ago, it's it's kind of hard to phrase it because, I mean, the whole thing that set this up and set it in motion and kind of made it special was a, a young man passing away. So, uh, but what took place after that and that night especially was uh, was a pretty neat uh, night for the Angels. Angels have been playing pretty good baseball too. Uh, I'm going to stick with some baseball. I, I honestly am not intentionally doing this. This is just falling in my lap. But I feel like ever since I went home last week, I've had balling and fallen some way, shape, or form. I think I had Chris Sale and Raphael Devers, and uh, I'm going Red Sox heavy. Well, I got another one, but this has nothing to do with really the Red Sox. This is more just the situation. You see the story? Three college kids had an extra ticket to Tuesday's Red Sox game. Mm-hmm. And they asked a homeless man on the street to come along with them yep. wow. to the game. I didn't see that. And it really cool. And some of the stuff that it, go go check it out and read the whole thing. I won't uh, share everything, but you know, if you've gone to a have you ever been to Fenway Park, no, you gotta go. Bucket, bucket list. Yeah, you gotta go. And it's just an event, right? Right. It's uh, like I try to tell my mom. And mom's like, I mean, she's not a big baseball fan. So she doesn't really want to sit at a baseball game. Right. Said, but you gotta go to Fenway Park. I mean, it's an event. And you have to stay till the ninth inning. I mean, you have to stay for take me out to the ball game. You have to stay really for Sweet Caroline in the eighth inning when the whole place is singing and rocking and rolling. And it always feels like the Red Sox have a chance as long as they're not getting blown out, even in the ninth inning. There's always something magical that seems to happen at Fenway Park. So the quote here is, he danced to Sweet Caroline, didn't want food. The good man just wanted the beer. (laughs) And uh, I thought that was really good stuff. And I think I saw something else about this story. That uh, 
he watched the entire game, took everything in. It's an old, older gentleman. While everybody else is sitting there on their phones and doing what we all do today, yep. you know, and distracted by everything, he didn't have a phone. He was watching a baseball game. You know, it was kind of like it was 1960 all over again. Uh, really cool story uh, outside of Fenway Park. It was the young guys, just uh, young college guys, asked uh, this man to uh, if he wanted to go to the game. So that is my balling uh, here on a Friday. You got some falling. Uh yeah my 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 fallen it's uh it's sort of you know feeling its way out right now but uh, as we all know it's been well documented I am an Oklahoma City Thunder fan. Oof. Um, well you could do fallen for like two straight weeks on these guys. <laughs> still still crying tears from the departure of one Russell Westbrook. But my fallen has nothing to do with any players on the team or even the team in general. Okay. It's uh apparently reports are that Sam Presti and members of the organization are receiving death threats because they traded Russell Westbrook. Oh, jeez. Which, man. Which, for me, look, I mean, I'm I'm about as big a Thunder fan as it can get. You know, I've been there from the beginning of the Thunder uh, inception. But come on. I mean, is that really what we're doing here? I understand that, you know, the whole burning of the jersey thing, all right, it's, it's kind of stupid. But, you know, to each their own. You spend your money, you can do whatever you want. But uh, and I, I believe one of the reports I, I saw recently as – Maybe a couple of hours ago, that one of the guys is from Virginia. Like, what? What are we doing here? Like, what? The, we're we're issuing it's death threats in your backyard. Yeah, like that. That would be the equivalent of of actually probably me. Let's make. I was gonna say let's make this clear. It wasn't. Yeah. You didn't take a trip to Virginia recently. No, I did, I did okay. not. I did not take a trip to Virginia. But I mean, <laughs> it's just it's just kind of silly. I mean, it's the landscape of sports. Look, everybody who's a Thunder fan wishes that. You know, Russell Westbrook would have stayed there for the entirety of his career. Everyone who's a Thunder fan wishes that Kevin Durant would have stayed there for the entirety of his career. Look, Paul George wanted to do what was best for him, and you can't fault the guy. I mean, yeah, he said that he wanted to be, you know, a Thunder guy long term, but hey, look, things change. You just got to accept that. And at the same time, I feel like it's a conversation we always have is that you got to be able to separate sports from life. I mean, we're, look, you can be a sad sports, and we're all going to be sad this year as the Thunder fall, you know, out of the playoffs for whoever knows how long. But come on, man. Like, death threats, that's that's way over the line. Fallen. All right, so um, kind of touched on this earlier. Um, I got Tiger Woods uh, missing the cut, going um, six over par. Um, it's the second time in his career that he's missed multiple cuts at the majors and same season. So Woods and Woods just said uh, I was reading an article on him um, before we got on and some of the quotes. He's like, I just want to go home. He's yeah. like, he went to Thailand for a family vacation after the U.S. Open. Says he's been on a plane a lot. Uh, listen, I think I really do think getting back up to the mountaintop of winning the Masters, and this is not Tiger Woods' personality, so it's hard to link him to this. Mm-hmm. Was so satisfying that it almost was like, I don't really care about the rest of it. And that's not what he said. But from a focus standpoint, it was, all right, I just won the Masters, man. Nobody thought I'd ever even, maybe not even play golf. Mm -hmm, And I just won the Masters. And after that, I just think, while we all started to think, okay, 18's back in play, and what kind of year is he going to have? And he's the old Tiger. uh, Well, he showed some glimpses of of some good play. Didn't play a lot. This Mm -hmm. was 12th round since the Masters in competitive golf. And I just think he was... It's been like a three-month celebration, yeah. or at least the celebration that happened after the Masters took a lot out of him. Yeah, yeah. And he's even made some comments uh, this weekend uh, when everyone's asking him about, you know, uh, you know, just how he's playing it and kind of looking forward to some of He's like, look, I mean, 
I'm not 25 anymore, man. I just I just don't play like like basically I don't play that way anymore. It's just I'm just out here just trying to do what I can do, which is astounding and and weird to hear coming out of Tiger Woods' mouth. So I mean, it's, I think you're right. I think he's kind of unfortunately reaching that point where it's kind of like I'm just going to come out here and just do what I play golf, do what I do out here. Astonishing yeah. stat of the day, kind of with your fallen. Mickelson misses the cut yep. too. First time both guys missed the cut in 83, 83 majors. I mean, that's unbelievable. Think I was shocked to hear that. And think about how fortunate golf has been that in the major championships that you always had Tiger or Phil for the last 20 years at least playing on the weekend. And maybe they make noise or maybe they're a storyline and it doesn't matter if they're top 10 or Top 50, they're usually a storyline. So how fortunate golf has been to be able to have those guys. As for the leaders, J.B. Holmes, Shane Lowry, tied for the lead at 8-under par. Tommy Fleetwood, 7-under. And the story that is developing at the Open Championship is Lee Westwood, out of the blue, 7-under par, tied for third. This guy's never won a major, been a fantastic player. But that's a cool story going into the weekend. I think I'll be rooting a little bit for Lee Westwood uh, to win a major championship. That would be out Standing. Uh, my fall on real quick, and I'm just going to hit on this for a second. Did you see the Aaron Boone blow up? Yeah. Uh, the ejection? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ejection was great uh, in the Yankees game. Stuck up for Brett Gardner. This was yesterday and got ejected from the game. All you people, I said you people again, all you people that want electronic umpiring, electronic strike zone, you don't get that moment. That's yeah. part of the human nature of... Baseball, we already don't get enough arguments now. You know, the manager-umpire confrontation has been a classic play in baseball for a 100 years. But we don't get it because of replay a lot. So if you take the electronic scoreboard, well, now you don't have it at all. Right. I mean, electronic scoreboard, electronic Electronic. strike zone. Mm -hmm. Well, now there's nothing to debate. So what are you ever arguing about? Right. Like, you'll never have a confrontation with the umpire. Oh, that umpire looked like he was 15 years old. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, he I'm was, looking at it right now. I mean, he, he <laughs> was he's going off. And he took it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can't even play it. We love to play it. Yeah, I know. But you can't because there's so many F-bombs in there. It was really – if I liked the Yankees and if I liked Aaron Bleep and Boone, I would probably be, like, celebrating the tirade. But I don't like the Yankees. And although Aaron Bleep and Boone's kind of a nice guy, I still can't like him because of what he did in the 2003 ALCS to the Red Sox. So – I'm not going to celebrate the tirade. That's fair. But that's, this is more on the electronics umpire people. That's you too, Hoover. Oh, I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. He's not alone. <laughs> he's not. No, I don't think he's. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's a petition of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands. We're going to go uh, talk Florida State football. We're going to Tallahassee coming up next, and I think Tyler Jordan has to go to the bathroom. Uh, I'm going to take a break. Yeah. Break. <laughs> it's coming up. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and on your smart speaker. Hey, welcome back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We are going to talk some Florida State football in just a moment, but right now we're going to talk some Iowa football. No, we're not. <laughs> Let's do it. Everybody was watching right here. I love it. I love this. Johnny Box. Johnny Bachman from uh, Action News Jack, CBS 47 and Fox 30. Get ready for a 5 o'clock show tonight to finish off a, a work week. Uh, work is never done. Uh, what do we got tonight? Big story. You know what? I was, I was over at the Rolling Stones uh, at the stadium yesterday. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you this. I'm a little surprised, even from uh, from a news standpoint, of how big this has become. Their 
their concert, they're 30 years in between. Well, think about this, too. You know, they're not touring that many places. They were, they, they were in New Orleans on was supposed to be Sunday. Barry pushed them back to Monday. But they're really doing, you know, they're, they're the Stones. They can do whatever they want. Yeah. They're doing, yep. they're picking and choosing. I think there's only like 12 cities that they're hitting in this, this tour. So you've got people from all up and down the East Coast coming. I, in fact, I'm housing somebody from South Carolina personally and Are somebody really? from Atlanta personally. Yeah, a couple of my buddies came down with their daughters, and they're going to go to the concert uh, tonight, and and they're not stopping in Atlanta. They're not stopping, you know, in the Carol. I don't know if they're in the Carolinas, but my buddy came from South Carolina. So you know, the, it, we're attracting a lot of people, and you know, you always talk about the ep- economic impact. True. And it, you know, there are a lot of concerts that come here that draw primarily Jacksonville people. This is not one of those. So this will have yeah. a big economic impact for sure. And again, this isn't a Daly's Place event. Last night, Dirk Bentley was at Daly's yeah. Place, and uh, I want to go to that too. By so the way, I went a year ago. It was interesting oh, that he's back for a second I summer agree. in a row. Kind of quick. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, the on Saturday night at Daly's Place, they had the All Lead Wrestling, and then the next day they did the Mary J. Blige concert. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, this week it's... But the difference is what I'm getting at is this one's in the stadium. This you one's know, in the this stadium. Is, this is Leonard Skinner. This, you know, this is bigger than that even. I mean, they're expecting 50,000 people. And like I just said, a lot of people from outside of our immediate area, too. All right, so... Uh, we got and that covered tonight. The weather's going to be good, by the way. I, was, I, I just got the inside that. track from Burrish, and you know we had some storms, a lot of a lot of lightning, even some hail. My wife had some hail over in Mandarin really? today. Yes. Uh, so we've had a lot of storms, but check your house, Tyler. Yeah, I know. I know. Hopefully you don't have a car outside over there. But anyway, um, so but he he is, says that it's going to be all clear. So all right, be uh, good. good stuff, and the uh, lots just opened at 4 o'clock, so that's people right. are probably starting to fill in uh, right. for a good night. Anything else on uh, CBS well, the 47? The other thing Fox that's started. kind of interesting is, uh, that you, do you guys remember a couple weeks ago, I know Brent's been on vacation for the month for the month of July, but yeah. um, a couple weeks True. ago, actually happened while I happened to be on vacation, too. <laughs> for like uh, the month of June and July. <laughs> yeah. uh, was, I think it was the first week of July, maybe maybe a week before that, but there's the, the Jacksonville Game Center, where the, the folks go there to play Dungeons and Dragons, a bunch of other games and stuff. Anyway, they thieves broke through the wall to get into this place. They cut a hole in the wall. Wow. They Whoa. got hit again last night. Really? Same really? way. Hole through the wall. So we're going to show you that hole. We're, gonna, we're working on talking to the owners again, and you know they were tweeting some stuff. So uh, we'll get get the latest on that for you at 5 o'clock as well. But is that's it, a crazy wow. story. Let Two me times. follow up, and, you probably, and maybe you don't know this, but is are there things super valuable in there? No, not really. Although you know they have some of the, I, I don't know much about, about this. Bank, I was just right? talking to our buddy Mike Dorfman, who 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 plays Dungeons and Dragons, and he was telling me that if some of these games do have like cards that are limited edition that become valuable, not unlike baseball cards. Huh. And so he said some of those things can be valuable, but there's, I mean, the owners of this place aren't taking in a high volume of cash or anything like that. It's, I mean, that's not that can't be why they're breaking in. I'm assuming it's for some of these. Collectible things. Correct. Part of the story, as I saw something earlier today, was that they got about three thousand dollars worth of Magic: The Gathering cards. That's it. Those cards, exactly. Yeah, those a lot of limited print cards that are available in player packs, and no special markings for them for where you're going to find them. But uh, you know, these these guys getting hit twice like that so quickly from one to the next. It's just a rough time for those guys at the game shop. Certainly feel for them. And, they, and he said though they're, they're going to still have their game night tonight and keep keep going, but they're going to have a gaping hole that they're going to have to fill again. Wow, how about yeah. that? Uh, a little yeah. bit of news, weather, and entertainment. 
here today we got it all, on Action baby. Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, courtesy of John Bachman. One last thing, since we did talk about Hawkeye football, I was watching, uh, it was either Fox or ESPN, I don't remember which one it was today, and uh, they had they were counting down the best 25 college games. The Hawkeye-Penn State game last year was number five. Just want to put that out there for you. Was it a games of last year? Yeah, 2018, 2019 And it was season. the fifth best one. Fifth best one. How about that? Yeah. Those I don't tight think, ends I don't running think, everywhere. Yeah, but I don't <laughs> think it ended well for Hawkinson and Fant. Double-check this, guys, but I don't think it ended well for my Hawkeyes. <laughs> you would know. Uh, John Bachman, watch him tonight on CBS 47 and Fox 30 at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, and, uh, of course, later tonight at 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock. Have a good weekend, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. No Stay problem. Uh, all right. Uh, hey, let's take a timeout. We're going to get to Sean Reed uh, on the phone. And now that you're updated on the Rolling Stones, the weather, and what's coming up tonight on CBS 47 and Fox 30, let's update you on what's happening with Florida State football. Oh, no. You gotta talk about it. And listen, you can go back. You always say now you can say forty-one fourteen. You're right. You got that. Yes, sir. It's next on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN six ninety. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jack star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Hey, welcome back here on a Friday. Hope you're doing well. Brent Martineau along with uh, Tyler Jordan and Marcel Robinson. Uh, Tyler is taking this uh, segment off because former Florida Gator sitting in for Austin Lane. He's not ready to talk Florida State football. <laughs> I got this. I can do it. Uh, good to have Scott along as well here on a uh, Friday in for Coos, who's off to uh, like his 57th wedding of uh, of the year. The brother's in demand. I mean, listen, like I tell him, I told him yesterday, I say it all the time, it's a secret to life is not to have too many friends. You'll go to less weddings. Um, I think sooner or later his family would like uh, to go him to go to his own wedding. Uh, maybe it's about time he pops don't, the question. Don't you put that evil on him, Ricky Bobby. Don't you put that evil on him. <laughs> I am back. We're good. Okay, you're still good. You're still yeah, good to talk. So. Uh, I mean, we're about to talk FSU. As now. much as I can. I want to turn those headphones off. Uh, let's go to Tallahassee to Sean Reed from The Athletic. I was up in Charlotte at the ACC Media Days, and uh, we're going to talk some FSU football. Hey, Deshaun, how you doing, man? Hope you had a good fourth and having a good summer. It's football season, buddy. Pretty good, man. How about you? Yeah, very good. Uh, thanks for hanging with us. I know you, you got back to Tallahassee. I, I saw on Twitter you were having some uh, flight difficulties. Yeah, they had a, a ground stop in Atlanta, so I was just sitting on a plane in Charlotte for, for three hours <laughs> for yeah. no reason. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I made it back eventually. You know what the beautiful thing about now about, uh, well, first of all, is phones, so you can at least keep yourself busy if you don't want to take a nap. But also, you can do like... Uh, Q and A's, and I, I think you—I don't know if you did one of those or not, but uh, you just yeah, say, "Hey, fire away!" Right on Twitter, and well, you probably got bombarded with Florida State questions, like I'm going to do to you now. <laughs> yeah, it feels a lot of them. What, what's the burning question from the fan base about Florida State in in your estimation? Uh, I mean, the, the main question is, you know, can they get back to winning winning enough games to get into a bowl game? I mean, you know, it's been the standard obviously for over 40 years, and and obviously, coming off of last year, right, antsy and, and wondering if they can get back to it. And, you know, looking at their schedule, you know, at first glance, you might say, oh, of course they're going to get You know, Florida State, you know, they're Florida State, and the opponents don't look too too stacked outside of Clemson and maybe Florida. 
But, I mean, people have to keep in perspective, you know, a lot of these teams either beat Florida State last year or very nearly beat them last year. And, uh, I mean, even when it came to Napoleon, like, SCS, Sanford last year, they almost lost to them. So you really can't write off anybody on their schedule almost. And I did a piece today kind of breaking that down. So, I mean, yeah, they could have an eight or nine one season, but they just as easily could go five and seven or six and six this year as well. Yeah, it, uh, it can turn on a dime, no doubt about it. I saw your uh, piece today on The Athletic uh, talking about the uh, the schedule. You know, Earlier this week I said I don't feel like, and some of this is the conversations we've had over the last couple of months, but some of it's just reading up things. And, and when you're not in the city or in Tallahassee like I'm not, it, I think it's hard to get the full temperature. But my gauge of this thing is that Willie Taggart, almost regardless of anything that happens, is safe in 2019 uh, and i know we've discussed it in the past but as we inch closer to the season and things intensify do you still get the sense that is the case uh, for willie taggart yeah 100 percent um i mean even not even just from a football standpoint but also for the financial standpoint just the university they've been operating at a, at a def- deficit for the last few years and you know paying a 20 plus million dollar buyout you know for a coach after not even two years doesn't make much sense for them financially, even from that standpoint. But just overall, I mean, they would have to take something like a disaster two and 10 or three and nine season. I think for that to even, you know, become a question at this point. Um, Because I think, you know, even though the fan base is obviously up in arms, I think people are kind of realizing, you know, it's not like Willie walked into the best situation in the world. Um, You know, some of those things you're you're really not going to be able to fix overnight. Um, and so I think as long as there's improvement this year, he'll be fine as far as, you know, any kind of hot seat discussions or anything like that. But if they miss another bowl game, I mean, you'll, you'll, you'll be hearing it <laughs> by the end of the year. Well, that's what I say. Yep. I said if this team's got five wins in November, it's hard for me to to even envision a situation where the heat isn't so hot on yep. Taggart in November that something isn't for That's what happens, you yeah, know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, if you're not performing, you're definitely in the hot seat yeah. it's the heat's definitely on well and and uh, to shot we have tyler jordan who played uh, for the gators for the last four years on the offensive line and you went through the jim McElwain situation mm-hmm. and that McElwain situation turned like in a matter of days yeah how hot that got right right yeah it was it was nuts and i think um you know after the georgia game it was you kind of knew what was about to happen um and it was at the point where a lot of us were like, hey, let's like finish the season out. Let's have fun um, and kind of let's reset. Yeah, and uh, you so, just never know. I mean, I even I just think a week, ten days earlier, you wouldn't have envisioned the situation, no, no, and then bam, all not. of a sudden. So it can certainly happen. All right, uh, coming out of ACC media days, uh, what's the feel for James Blackman? Your discussions with him, how much he feels uh, he's he's got ownership of this offense. I do think the one positive uh, to go along with. A bunch of good skill guys uh, in Acres and Terry, and, and you can rattle off a couple more, is the fact that they know James Blackman is their quarterback. Yeah, I mean, there was a little bit of, of I guess, controversy, I guess, at media day because, you know, Willie Tyrity, he kind of spoke of, of James Blackman as if he was a starter and then backtracked and said there's going to be a, a competition between him and Alex Horner. But, but, I mean, you know, barring, you know, a disastrous summer camp for injuries, James Black is going to be the starter of the football team. And, I mean, you know, like you said, you know, not only is he surrounded by great skill position guys, but they all like him, you know. Like yep. he's, been, yep. he's seen as one of the leaders of the team, even though they only started one game last year, which is just kind of speaks to what they think of him as a person, off, you know, on and off the field. 
Um, I, mean, I mean, under Tim Brown's new offensive system, I mean, the, the potential is definitely there for him to put up huge numbers and have a have a great year. It really just comes down to, and I mean, I, mean, I feel like I, I beat this, you know, into the ground as, as hard as I possibly can, but that offensive line, I mean, it's, if they can't protect, you know, be better than they were last year, it's not going to matter, you know, how the Tim Brown system is or how much the team likes James Blackman. He's going to be on his backside too often to make plays, so it really just comes down to that just how great of a season he's going to be able to have. Yeah, I can only imagine that Sean Reed joins us from the Athletic Covers Florida State uh, in Tallahassee. And I, I can only imagine how tired you are of talking about the offensive line because I'm kind of tired of talking about the offensive line in Tallahassee. But I, I'm not even going to ask you about that. What I want to know a little bit is there a quiet confidence about the defense of Florida State, and where do they sit? I, you know, there's so much talk about the offensive side of the ball and Willie Taggart that I feel like the defense gets lost in the conversation. Give us an update on how people are feeling about this defense heading into the fall. Well, both internally, you know, from members of the team and coaching staff and, and from the fan base, I, I feel like they expected them to have a pretty strong defense this year. I mean, last year, in terms of stopping the run, they were a top 20 run defense for, for most of the year. The issue was they, they couldn't cover anybody. Um, and, you know, heading into this year, they made a series of changes to, to try and change that and moving Levante Taylor back to safety. Uh, Jaden would be back to safety after they played linebacker last year. Um, we're going to have two different starting cornerbacks in Asante Samuel Jr. and Stanford Samuel's the third than they had last year. Uh, so they made a few personnel cha- changes. Uh, as far as the linebacking core, you know, last year for most of the year, they really only had four linebackers that were healthy consistently. And this year they have you know, 11 scholarship linebackers, so they're a lot deeper. The, the biggest question with the defense is, you know, where is the pass rush coming from? You know, losing Brian Burns. Brian, yep. um, they really don't have any ends who have proven themselves to be up to the level that he was. You know, obviously Marvin Wilson is going to be a force in the middle, but mm-hmm. there's only so much he can do as, you know, as an interior defensive lineman. They need somebody to bring pressure off the edge. That's, that's the only question I would say about the defense heading into the summer. But besides that, I think they're expected to be improved. I know last year they, you know, gave it the most points per game in school history, but I think that number was a little bit skewed because of, you know, not only, you know, the offense struggling and turning the ball over, but also special teams play was pretty bad. You know, their, their opponents on average, you know, got the ball at something like, you know, their own 37 to 38 yard line. So they were almost got the ball in Florida State territory, you know. So it's kind of hard to keep guys from scoring when they're that close to start off. Absolutely. Uh, Deshaun Reed with us from The Athletic, uh, covers Florida State. Uh, let, let's wrap up with this one. You're at ACC Media Days where everybody thinks they're going to have a great season uh, at the Media Days. It's like spring training. Everybody thinks they're going to be good. Uh, who's the second-best team in the ACC, in your opinion, behind Clemson? I have to go with Syracuse. Um, hmm. I know, you know, it's just kind of, you know, everybody's wondering was last year just a flash in the pan for them. They are going through a quarterback's change. It'll be interesting to see how, how that goes over. But, I mean, coming off a 10-win season, you know, they nearly upset Clemson again yep. for the second year in a row. I mean, I, I think it would kind of – you almost have to put them there, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a good call, but a call that you almost would be like, what? Did he say what? <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just not a common answer. I mean, you have Florida State, you have Clemson, I mean, you have Virginia Tech. I'm sorry, Clemson, Miami, Virginia Tech. I mean, you have these schools that – Gosh, you'd go a long way before you'd find Syracuse, and uh, I, I don't. I'm not saying you're wrong. It's just uh, an interesting answer to hear. It's yeah. not common uh, to the ear. Deshaun yeah. Reed, uh, we'll catch up with you again, man. Camp uh, getting ready to start, and uh, hopefully we'll see you in Tallahassee around Media Day. 
All right, man. Talk to you soon. Appreciate it. Deshaun Reed from The Athletic uh, does a nice job covering uh, Florida State. Brett Martineau here, Tyler Jordan, uh, formerly of the Florida Gators and Bishop Kenny High School, hanging with us on a Friday in for Austin Lane. Uh, you know, he brought up the quarterback situation in Tallahassee. Right. Uh, you've gone through this a little bit. How much does it wear on a team How, that like guys like me or the media is always asking and asking? The fans are always wondering and wondering. Right. How much does the QB situation um, infiltrate the locker room? A little bit. I don't think it does um, too much. Um, I think it infiltrates more people in the quarterback room because, um, you know, at the end of the day, I've still got my job. Um, I've still got to protect whatever quarterback's back there, um, and he's calling the plays at the end of the day. So I think um, really more in the more so in the quarterback room between whoever's having the quarterback battle. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then depending maybe if the quarterbacks play have different play styles, you know, you've got a guy that can sit there um, and hold up in the pocket, or you got a guy that's a double threat and that can run around. Um, so I think that also affects the offensive coordinators and the head coach too in making the decision. Take us back to uh, the Florida State game last year. They obviously were leaking oil. It was a little bit of blood in the water. Right. You guys, uh, you know, obviously playing better football, better team, I think, at that point. But it had been a while over Florida State. So, yeah. I mean, that was a big game for you guys. I mean, could you almost – you? What That's I always say, first win. Yeah. That's my first, first win. First over State. Florida Only State. Win. You don't want to leave <laughs> without yeah. one. But uh, I always say this about play. You can tell on tape right? if you're a better football team or mm-hmm. – if you got a your work cut out for you, you know, I mean, you know, you get a cupcake on the schedule that comes in and plays you guys in the swamp. They know, okay, we are outmanned here today. Let's try to hang around as long as we can. Yeah. When you guys looked at the tape against Florida State, given the right, even though they have a lot of good players, given the way things were going for Florida State, you guys must have been able to smell that on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, yeah, we early and in, being we like, ready. all right, let's just go do this now because we got it. Yeah, we knew they we knew they had a good defense, and we knew that like they play us hard every year. So it doesn't matter if they're freaking top ten in the country yeah. or if if they're not. And we know they always are going to play us hard. So um, like first that first drive they were playing as as hard as any other team would, and you know they were really good on defense. But um, I think that you know Coach Mullen had a really good game plan and he executed well, and um. A lot of our play actions worked. A lot of our shot plays worked. And um, some of our misdirection stuff kind of got them looking one way, and we'd be able to get an explosive. So. Yeah. And then the final 20 minutes of that game, uh, you could kind of tell the, the you, you, could, you took the will. It was, it was a party. <laughs> yeah, you take the will out of a team, uh, uh, which, you know, in fairness, uh, Florida State fans, if you're listening, sorry, not just one-sided, uh, Florida State had done it to Florida yeah. uh, a couple times in the years before. So uh, a little Florida State conversation. We'll have some more Gator talk in just a bit. Uh, we also will catch up with Calais Campbell, but first let's take a timeout here on a Friday edition of Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Hope you're having a good week, everybody. Safe ride home. Rolling Stones tonight in Jacksonville. Hi, this is Annika Sorenstam, and I'm a World Golf Hall of Famer, and you're watching Action Sports Jacks. Hey, welcome back. Brett Morton, Marcel Robinson, Tyler Jordan, Bishop Kenny High School, Florida Gator. Just had to listen to some Florida State talk. So now he's, uh, that's his hazing, his rookie hazing here on the radio. 
Hey, it's all right. I'll I was listening. Right. It sounded rough. Like you, you, you powered through. Yeah, I had to. I had to. <laughs> uh, hey, I want to ask you a couple questions about recruiting. Yeah, go for it. Uh, we were talking about this before the show, actually, and I think it it sprinkles everywhere. Uh, we're just talking about Florida State. Florida State has some. I don't know if they have financial problems, but they are not rolling in the dough. Let's right, just say yeah. that from an athletic standpoint. They, uh, Tashawn just said it, and they've said it. They ro- they operated in a deficit the last couple of years, which is almost unfathomable in this day and age, given most of the time they've been successful this uh, this decade, ever since really 2013. Florida doesn't have a money problem. They're no. building stuff left and right. They're building that uh, standalone football facility once the baseball stadium gets done. done yeah. uh, that will take place in about a year. You mentioned the locker room, and you've been getting some pictures from it, and we've seen some video and pictures of it, and it looks fantastic. Uh, I talk about UCF. I think UCF, because of their student population, some of their success and some of the big bowl games of recent uh, years, and they've always invested in facilities. They've kind of been trying to keep up, and not not from a like trying to keep up with Alabama and Clemson point of view, but they're right. they've got but good facilities right. at UCF. Uh, Miami, there's been a lot of talk about their facilities, and now you know in the last couple of years they've been enhanced. I figure you you just did this for the last four years. Right, yeah. So you're a great guy to ask. I chuckled at the idea five years ago that a standalone football facility helps you win games. Like, really? That's where we're at? That a building helps you win games? But it's you know what? Recruiting. That's why we might be there, right? I mean, I mean, we not only have been there probably for now and a couple of years, but maybe for the last decade, the Alabamas, the Clemsons, and the arms race that is college football, as a guy who just did it, as a guy who's around high school kids now that want to do it, how important are those facilities? And I think it depends who you ask. To me, when I was a recruit, not much. To some guys, yeah, it just depends on are you, for me, I was, I wanted to be a Gator no matter what. Now, for some people that have to be convinced, you know, Clemson, Alabama, they've got these multi multi-million dollar facilities that um you know it sways them one way so i think um especially with technology and social media being the way that it is now and the way that um it's kind of turning into and evolving into i think that um social media and the facilities are a lot bigger now than they were back then i know we were talking earlier about maybe 20 years ago Recruiting in a school's backyard is pretty easy. Yeah. So now I think the more that technology evolves and the more that social media is used by programs, by coaches, by um, recruits, you know, it's it's turned into a whole different ballgame. And for the most part, these guys are all offering the same things. So the difference maker can be sometimes a building, <laughs> a yeah. locker room, a dorm room. And, you know, to go along with not just the social media, but the recruiting on the backyard, it's that other teams have figured out that you got to come to Florida to recruit. Right. You know, I mean, Dabble Swinney, if you go back to the start of this thing, what he did well, even before he was winning big and winning football games, is he recruited the state of Florida. He did. He came down here. He got yep. Tony Stewart out of Menendez High School. He got C.J. Spiller. Uh, actually, uh, did he get – I think he got Spiller. Mm-hmm. Spiller might have come before Dabble. But e- either way, he, he recruited Florida. And he recruited it well. And now everybody's trying to recruit in here. You know, it's a, you don't just recruit your backyard. Everybody comes to Florida. And, you know, to a degree, everybody's always come to Florida. But yep. to your point, I think they've been a little bit more 
uh, less successful at being able to get players. But as they beefed up these Taj Mahals of, of uh, facilities, Absolutely. Well, that can be a difference maker. Uh, you know, and I guess it's not outside of some people, and, and you really respect people who are not materialistic. Well, let's be honest. To a degree, everybody's a little bit material. If you want to yeah. go show me a, a Lamborghini outside, you look. I probably would take it for a spin. Yeah. Okay. Why not? I mean, but aren't we all like that to a degree? I think so. Uh, I think so. I think 100%. I think that especially if you're talking to look these, you know, 16, 17 year old um, kids, you know, anything that's you know brand new and shiny is going to catch your eye, and whatever catches your eye is what you know you remember. And it's like you just said a second ago. For the most part, from a football on the field type of standpoint most teams are offering about the same thing you know they'll bring you in tell you know how they want to use you what kind of program they're running you know what style what where they envision you going but i think that the um and as much as we we don't want to admit it i think that the social media aspect carries a whole lot of weight especially for this generation i mean if you look at the the pictures that just came out of the the remodel that florida did the locker room yeah how many high school recruits see these pictures and say, I cannot wait to get in there and yeah. do my Snap story or my Instagram boomerang, you know, take pictures or whatever in there? And I think that plays a, a much larger role in things like that than people are willing to admit. Now, you would want a, someone to, you know, just make a decision based on football. But, I mean, let's be honest, it doesn't. Yeah, well, and here's the other thing. I think this is where social media, and it really, it's social media, but I really think the camps, I said this to you, I think the seven-on-sevens, the opening, the, the these camps that people go to now, it's, it's not just, you don't go to camps just in your own backyard. You don't right. play just high school football. Right. I might meet a kid now going to a seven-on-seven thing from Texas, yep. and I got friendly with him, and he's my buddy. So now we're keeping track of each other on Twitter, on Facebook, on Snapchat, on Instagram. And now he goes to Alabama, and I say, hey, man, I like this guy. I'm going to Alabama, too. That's how it is for me, All-American game. Penn State, buddies from Stanford, all over the place. Yeah, so you get them. Yeah. And I think that's – I think it feels different. Now, yes. maybe social media has made that feel different. Maybe it's always been the case. But to me, it feels different that you're you're willing to go – the whole Pied Piper effect, really. Yeah. Right? right? You get the one guy, hey, I like this kid, man. Let's go here. Yeah. Uh, we see it in the high schools, mm-hmm. right? Why are people going to Trinity Christian? Because there are a lot of college coaches go over there going to Trinity Christian. Right. So you Wanna can go seen. get go be seen over there. Yep. Just the way it is. And, it is. and by the way, I'm not singling out Trinity Christian. There's a baseball, basketball, every. I mean, that's the way it works now. Mm-hmm. A lot of sports you don't need it because of travel ball, but in football you do because you just play high school. Right. Other than seven on sevens. And we come back, we catch up with Calais Campbell, more college talk in a bit, and the happy hour horn. Maybe an update from the Rolling Stones next on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jacks. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Two and a half hours away now. 
a big day in Jacksonville because of the Stones. It really does. Well, it's been like 30 years since they played here. Yeah, I know. I, I get it. I was trying to say the same. It just... Who else would do this? So, like... What else? What other act right now would feel like this? Garth Brooks. I don't think so, though. Uh, it was like that when he toured through here a couple of years ago. He did, and he didn't. Like he came two or three years ago, and he did an extra show. I think he actually did an extra couple of nights, maybe. Danger not... was shut down for Garth Brooks. Yeah. Again, uh, did yeah. you go? No, I didn't go. I didn't get a ticket in time. Yeah, and that was. I mean, that was in the stadium thing. That was. Yeah. That was legit. Funny thing about know, that, Scott, now he's like, doing a dive bar tour, so he's just playing small venues. I know, that's pretty but cool. But the Stones, man, you couldn't put them in a place smaller than an arena. I know, it doesn't feel like you could. I, what, am I, what I'm saying is I think I disagree with you on Garth. Maybe if he did the stadium one, though, maybe you'd be right. Because he went in the arena, and I guess instead of doing four nights, he could have done one night in the stadium, like he did in Gainesville. Right. And Gainesville was rocking. I mean, I was there for it. Gainesville, it was packed. It was insane actually because they didn't do a great job with the uh <laughs> crowds inside the concourse Shade. but uh uh overall i mean may- maybe you are right and like and see he does like a bunch of stuff he did something at lee high school garth did all right you got another example anyone else huh anybody else that big right now that would draw um honestly right now i really don't there's there's not a whole lot of people i could think of that would pull that kind of demand on ticket sales. Well, I don't know a lot of people that would put 50,000 fans into seats. Well, and see, I think there would be. Like, I think you could do, maybe it's Taylor Swift, or maybe it's whatever. I mean, name name your person. I don't know. I think Ariana Grande comes here in December. That yeah, I probably see that. Be arena or stadium? Uh, ooh, probably she's, arena. She's at the arena. Yeah. So, I, I think you could get a lot of people. Like, this is, I don't even think this is sold out. It's not yet. No. So, but my point is, the buzz... I mean, we've got helicopters from CBS 47 and Fox 30 flying around. They've been counting down to this for the last week. week. I mean, we've done countdown clocks on our, our news. I was there yesterday. The buzz is real because of what's going on. So that's really my point. It's not really like who would draw. It's more the the circus around it. And I mean, I would. All right, ma- that's fair. You know what I mean? So it's a little bit of different context. And I I think uh, I would say what was. Michael Jackson, did he come here in, like, 1984? It was either Jackson or it was the Jackson 5. Okay. Um, but, but, yeah, but I, think I remember it was, Does 84 was, sound right? Is that when it would have yeah, been? Yeah, it was, it was a huge tour through there. So my guess is, like, when Michael Jackson came, it was probably like, holy cow, right? Had to be. Um, I don't know. I just didn't – I guess in my music stupidity, more than anything else, I didn't realize the Rolling Stones would create this kind of buzz around town. I mean – Mick Jagger's 75 years old. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know? Honestly, it, it kind of surprised me a little bit. Honestly, I know when it was first announced that it was kind of a you know a quick kind of big crazy thing, but I didn't expect it to be this big on you know on on day of. Yeah, well, and it's kind of cool. Well, I mean, that, that's the thing about Jacksonville. Jacksonville is very much a day of kind of city. True. We'll do yeah. some long promotion for it, but the the real hubbub shows up hours before the show when people go, okay, I had I do have the time. I am going to go do this. Yeah. And we're notorious for walk-ups for ticket sales. We are a walk-up city, which I'd love to uh, deep dive into that someday. What makes you a walk-up city? Like, what? why? Like, why are we like... The whole dynamic of Jacksonville has changed with so many transient people mm-hmm. coming in, you know? Yet, we've always been characterized as like a walk-up city. Is that because you live by the beach? Is it because awesome. you're, you procrastinate? I think weather, I mean, too, depending on the event. Yeah, I guess you yeah. wait and see what the weather could be. I don't know. Uh, I don't know about uh, uh, 
this guy in terms of walking up, going to the Rolling Stones, but haven't talked to him in like a month. South Beach Gary, what's happening? Good afternoon. In honor of tonight's show, let's let's go. You painted black by the Rolling Stones is the song of the day. All right, yeah, we played that earlier. I think. Who, who, who's with you there, Brent? I'm sorry, I didn't catch the beginning. Tyler Jordan uh, played for the Gators the last uh, four years on the offensive line. Bishop Kenny guy and uh, Marcel Robinson's here as well. Hey, Tyler, Marcel, I, I didn't want to be rude by by not ah, that's saying yeah. hello to you. Guys. I'm glad you said I, hello. Hey, uh, it's a great uh, day to make fun of things. Austin Lane. He's not here. Yeah. Next man up. Good luck to Austin, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but a couple of things, boy. The Jags jump sure got tough with Tyreek Hill not uh, being suspended, that's for sure. Absolutely. Opening week. And secondly, guys, you know, all the Tiger buzz. Now this is the second missed cut in the other three majors. Seven. Only after one in the previous 13 years, seven in the past five years missed cuts. Yeah. Uh, listen, it's going to happen, right? I mean, I, I I would say I'm a little surprised if you ask me after the Masters if Tiger would have performed this poorly pretty much in the ma- other majors, given the sights. You know, Beth Page Black, a place he had won, although that did not line up with a 43-year-old guy who was coming off the Masters and all these injuries because of the length of it. Uh, but Pebble and even this, oh, he never played this place. Uh, so I, I guess I'm a little surprised, Gary. Right. But the, at the end of the day, the fact that he won the tour championship last year and just won a major in the Masters and few people thought he would ever do it again, um, right. I think trumps everything. It just it's almost it doesn't matter if Tiger if he wants to play well once a year and wins a big event, that's good enough. You know, a couple more a couple more things. I think Paul McCartney would draw a big buzz. Yes, He's looking for someone yes. nowadays. And and the other thing is, uh, I was surprised though, guys, that he finally admitted talking about Father Time. That was the first time I heard. Heard Tiger actually talk about his, you know, how he, he can't practice like he, I'm not 24, I can't practice like I used to. Uh, even Tiger, as great as he is, it happens to everybody. It happened to Jack, happened to Arnold. Now it's happening to Tiger because, of course, with him and Jack, the easiest to win at their later, later age would have been a guess because of, of the lack of rough and how they both know that course so well. Having played that every year. Yeah. Thanks, guys. All have right. a great weekend. Yeah, you have a good weekend, too, Gary. Uh, thanks. Appreciate it. South Beach Gary jumping in. Hey, uh, we were debating this the other last night, actually. We said, not on the show, but on the TV side, if Tiger just lines up and gets ready and gets his game in shape for the Masters only for the next decade, he might win a couple more green jackets. I would I would agree with that. I don't doubt that. So I don't – It would, would. I think we have to – I still think this too. I don't know if this is the actual scope of Tiger, like kind of the way his the traje- trajectory of Tiger year after year. This whole thing is so new. This new Tiger from last year, where he had to play a ton of events just to get from like 1100th in the world back to like top 50 in the world, just to regain like regular status as a, as a top golfer mm-hmm. and make the Ryder Cup. Remember, mm-hmm. so he had to play and play and play and play. Well. Kind of wore himself out doing that. That was evident in the Ryder Cup, especially after winning the Tour Championship. And now this year where he's like, okay, I'm going to ease off the schedule, but I just want a major. And how much do I play and get ready and where do I feel? And so the ups and downs, the the body is one thing, but the emotion of Tiger is probably different than he's even ever felt it. Because he can't just rip and roar through this, through a calendar year. Uh, but I'm not convinced that he's going to... Play well at the Masters and then play terrible every other tournament. 
I am convinced that he's probably not going to contend for player of the year and win five times like he did in 2013. I don't think we're seeing that Tiger. But I think we're seeing a Tiger that will probably compete at the Masters a lot over the next decade. And I think he'll still sneak. I mean, look, Lee Westwood's in second place. Where has Lee Westwood been? I mean, where has that guy been? Uh, I mean, I think he went off the face of the earth for the last five years. Yeah. So that it's golf. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we try to talk blanket terms when we talk Tiger, too. It's a dangerous thing to do. But this is all new, is my point. I think the next two or three years will indicate, okay, how sore is he? How much is he going to play? How often can he get his game in shape? Can he figure out when he needs to get it in shape? And I think those are all things that he's he's still kind of working through. You uh, know what I think would help him, though? Um, partaking of a say, happy hour horn. Oh, I, I thought you were going to say something about like a like a restaurant. Uh, <laughs> uh, happy hour horn sounds good. Let's do that. Grab a drink, tip your star tenders, and to all the patrons in this great establishment, yes, even you, just remember, you're a winner. That was Marcel Robinson filling in admirably for Austin Lane on the happy hour horn. And by the way, he had his camera out and videoing that, okay, with sunglasses on, the new good-looking ESPN 690 lid. Wearing a swag right on. I mean. I'm liking the shades. It's unbelievable. And he pulled it off. That was his best moment of the show right there. At least he thinks so. A locally owned tequila right here in Jacksonville. Made in tequila, Mexico. Shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Make your own recipes with Vita de Luis tequila. One of the smoothest tequilas you'll ever taste. Locations, recipes, and merchandise. Visit VitaDeLuis.com. By the way, the friends at Vita de Luis recently a 94 rating. On the tequila, so uh, pretty awesome stuff. They've got some cool things coming up in September from uh, East Coast to West Coast. And they are down at the Rolling Stones concert right now in a lot, Jay. So go be a part of their party and try out Vita de Luis. Just talked to uh, Martin uh, via the text, so they are uh, going to be there. We were going to do the show there. We were afraid of the rain, probably rightfully so, afraid a little bit of the rain. Uh, so we uh, hung back in the studio. Good call. Today, yeah, that was uh, sometimes you make good decisions, sometimes you make bad ones. That was uh, probably a pretty... Pretty good one uh, on our part. A quick thought on the Tyreek Hill situation, not as it impacts the Jags, but uh, you were not surprised, Marcel, that uh, the NFL didn't hand down the suspension. Tyler and I, a bit surprised that there was no suspension, given all the rhetoric and the talk. At the end of the day, I'm not trying to defend the NFL, but if the NFL had no evidence and not an or not enough evidence and this was a he said she said thing i don't know if they had the right to suspend him yep. now what's tricky about the nfl here and I, I people in these situations just absolutely love to get all over the nfl and everything they do so you bring up the ezekiel elliott punishment and they like to play good cop bad cop and Try to do the discipline thing. The problem with the NFL is once you dip into the discipline, your toe into the discipline realm, and you try to be the police, well, then it's hard to be consistent because all these things are a little different. 
Right. Right. Yeah. Everything. It's not okay. It can be. I mean, this instance is is. I mean, as soon as you hear child abuse, you're like, how can this guy not be suspended? Right. Well, they're the ones that did the investigation and obviously didn't find stuff. I mean, I, I, who am I to say? Well, yeah, they should have because I heard the words child abuse. I mean, they did the investigation. The the Kansas City Chiefs actually stuck by Tyreek Hill through a lot of this stuff. Uh, so, again, I'm not saying it's the right decision. I just don't have the information at my hand. So it's hard for me to judge whether they should have or shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. But the problem with the NFL is that when you hear that, then you have domestic abuse. Then you have a uh, a run-in with, a uh, say, a, a fight somewhere or a police officer here or whatever. Maybe it's a drunk driving. Maybe it's a... Uh, uh, Whatever it is, they're all different. They all don't line up the same. And so if you're trying to distinguish what deserves penalties, it's really hard to say it's three games for this, it's two games for this, it's six games for this. And that's what the NFL's running into right now. Because right. of all the things we've heard, Ezekiel Elliott, um, Kareem, Hunt. Kareem Hunt, of all the things, and some of those things, the Kareem Hunt, go back to Ray Rice, egregious you tell me child abuse, so I'm going to say, get that guy out of the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so, think, exactly. But they're not – you just can't blanketly say it without sitting here and showing me a bunch of, of more evidence, evidence, I guess. Right. Yeah, and and that's why, um, uh, that's why I wasn't surprised uh, because of that. I think that because they've gotten so much backlash of how they've handled – you know, all these different types of events and, and what's been, like you just said, the number one question, how do you determine, you know, what, you know, how many games someone's suspended for whatever act, because there are different levels of, you know, these events and it's, and, you know, who's to say how many games you should be suspended for, um, you know, getting caught, you know, pop with marijuana or, or domestic abuse or child abuse. And I think also with this situation here, because during their investigation, they had the tapes, which of course everyone heard, which are, which are awful, which yeah. and, and if they're true, I completely agree, dude should be gone, like, out the league permanently. But I think the the determining factor for the NFL, I believe, was because they couldn't get his uh, well, girlfriend or whoever it was at the time, they couldn't get her to testify. So mm-hmm. they never got her side of the story, so the only side they can go on is just Tyreek's story, which is obviously going to be, you know, he's going to you know give his side, which is going to be different. And what she's going to say, and and I think that's one of those. It's kind of, I think the NFL wants to get away from making those quote unquote judgment calls because yeah. let's say you know there's no evidence here, uh, but let's say we suspend him for four games. All right, well let's see when the next thing happens. You know if there is evidence. So does that mean you know he get if he gets four games? Well, his his event you knew more about, and it's it's is it considered more egregious or is it worse? You know how do you determine? You know at that point you're playing you know. The guessing game, like, uh, I guess this one's six games. But why is this one six, and why does this one only get four? Because different people are gonna, you know, have different levels of, you know, what, you know, hits them most. Like we're, all, like me and you, like we're parents. You know, we hear child abuse, you're like, yo, that's, you know, no. But someone, yeah, I don't want to see this guy in a field, right? Yeah. But someone who's not a parent or doesn't have any like children you know, in their family, they might, just be, they might, they say it's bad, but they may not see it as we see it. Yeah, they, you know, the other. This is just reality. I don't want to say it's the other problem because it's just what it is, is that this story was – I think we all heard the story before anybody in the NFL and maybe even the Kansas City Chiefs heard the story because the tapes came out, right, right. Yep. Yep. Uh, from her side, I believe, Right. Mm-hmm. and it was like, oh, my goodness. Like this guy's never playing again in the NFL. That right. was the story months ago when this came out. Mm-hmm. It's like he's never played again. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't do all the deep digging – and sometimes there aren't people that comply. Right. Right. 
for varying reasons. I don't even want to get into that because we don't really know why. We don't have, but have no idea. It, it really muddies it up. And now, from a PR hit, again, I was expecting two or three games. Yeah. At the least. Even as this thing got kind of le- lowered in expectation, it went from this guy's going to be out of the league, never play again, mm-hmm. to okay, it sounds like there's not a lot going on here as much as we once thought, so he's going to probably get a couple of games after meeting with the NFL. From a PR perspective, or I think they might have been better off just saying, hey, the fact that this was even a Talk, topic, yeah. talked about. we're suspending you for a game or two. Mm-hmm. But can you do that? I mean, the NFLPA would be right around the corner filing a grievance. And it says And maybe winning the grievance if it got to a judge. Mm-hmm. Because... You just said it. It's a that would be more of a judgment call than actuality, like of things in your hand yep. that you're going off. I think it's really tricky. Mm-hmm. It's really tricky, and I hope they got it right. Let's yeah. just say that because for, for if there was any level of child abuse here, like it sound like that tape indicated, like these allegations were, if there's any level of that, I mean, I don't feel like this guy should be playing in the NFL, and then it feels like you got a, you got away with it. Um, but at the same time, I do think you have to protect some of these guys. They're easy targets on things, mm-hmm. right? We've talked about that a lot. Uh, it, and so it makes it uh, very difficult to digest, I think, from the public point of view. And we do not have all the information. They don't make this information all privy to everybody. The NFL probably learned things about this case that never made it into our radio show, newspapers, ESPN, all these other things. So uh, while everybody will hammer or a lot of people, I think, today's reaction is hammering the NFL for it. I don't know if they had much of a choice mm-hmm. at the end of the day. I really don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hopefully, hopefully these were bad allegations against Tyreek Hill. I guess from a football standpoint, and really it's secondary, as we say, but from a football standpoint, this guy's going to play against the Jacksonville Jaguars week number one, uh, September 8th. And it's part of the matchup. You know, we'll talk about this more as that week goes along because it will be the start of the season. It'll be his first game, but it'll be a big matchup here in Jacksonville. Uh, that potent offense against this uh, elite defense, or at least they hope it will be an elite defense. And speaking of elite defenses, the mayor of Saxonville next one on one with Calais Campbell here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Hey, I'm Jay Marcus from Rascal Flats, and this is Action Sports Jacks. Yeah, I just want to give a um, you know a big thank you to um, first of all to God for you know for me still being here. Second of all to Jackson Medical Center, they did a great job. They took a, uh, great care of me while I was in here. And then um, next, I want to thank the uh, Miami Dolphins family. They um, they've been you know it's been crazy how much help they've been willing to give. That, you know that they really didn't have to. You know the head coach has been here almost every day. You know different people on the staff, players, um, all my former players from Miami. Uh, coaches from Miami, even the head coaches, head strength, um, strength and conditioning coaches, the head coach. You know, everyone's been showing so much support and so much love, and uh, I really appreciate it. I just wanted to uh, thank everyone and let everyone know how much I really appreciate it. And they're, they've been a big part of me being able to even be out this early. So I just wanted to give a big thank you to everyone. And, um, yeah, that's it. That's all what, I got for you guys. What's, what's next for you? That's all I wanted to say. Okay. All right. Thank Good you, guys. Luck. Thank you. That's Kendrick Norton, former Trinity Christian Academy star, football player uh, with the Miami Dolphins and obviously in a horrible crash and car accident in the last couple of weeks, lost his arm uh, in that crash. And he has been 
unbelievable in terms of the strength he showed, I think, and the courage he showed through this and the way he's handled this situation. Um, it, how grateful he's been to not only the hospital staff, but to be alive. That must have been a pretty bad crash, obviously. Yeah. But it will cost him, of course, his NFL career uh, with the Miami Dolphins. So that was Kendrick Norton talking a tough situation. You know Kendrick at all? Yeah, um, through recruiting and um, through actually through weightlifting in high school. Really? Hmm. Yeah, so we, um, he was at a couple meets I was at. Okay. Um, but he was killing me, destroying me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was back like sophomore year when I was not very strong at all, but I was just doing it to work out. But um, I'm like, for him, like his positive attitude's been amazing. You know, it it could be really easy just to, you know, be down about it and, um, you know, not know what's next. And I think that he's been dealing with it really well yeah i mean the shock of all that you know that's yeah, what i'm saying absolutely and I'm, maybe there is a time it's been a couple i think almost a couple of weeks now but a week and a half two, yeah two it, uh, and two weeks but so i mean i don't maybe the shock some somewhere along the ways it must sit in that man you know everything i worked for but at the same time when you have the perspective of I almost lost could have lost my life i mean yeah. it was a bad accident so Lucky. uh there's a lot of uh things to be to be grateful about but i really think he's handled it well brett martin along with marcel robinson scott's in for coups pushing all the right buttons and uh, tyler jordan former bishop kenny high school offensive lineman former florida gator offensive lineman talking some sports with us here on a friday appreciate you coming in man uh how much do you guys know each other in the high school from you know who you played against in high school uh are you close is it just your bishop kenny guys what's that like in terms of how, how friendly are you guys? So friendly is like the, the fraternity of high school football players, especially guys that are pretty good and you might run in, into, into each other at yeah. camps or, or different events. I mean, like for me, guys running into them at the Under Armour game and yeah. just practicing with them for a week and just hanging out in the hotel. You know, you end up following them on, on Instagram, adding them on Snapchat, Twitter, the whole, the whole deal. But, um, it's funny, like after games and stuff, or I'm sitting there, um, I think we were playing Iowa for the Outback Bowl, and I was sitting watching their game against Penn State, their defense, and um, Ryan Bates. I'm actually pretty good friends with him. I ended up sending him a Snapchat of some plays, and I was like, hey, like I'm watching film on you guys. That's awesome. So, um, he played Ponte Vedra? No, he, he's up, he was up north. Oh, he was? Okay. Yeah, he's, he's from up in um uh, Oh, like I was thinking Bates, uh, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Bill Bates' the kids. Linebacker. I think he was a Ponte Vedra kid. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, was he was oh, he's at Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah, he, he was in Tennessee. Tennessee. That's what I was thinking of. Um, but in turn, uh, just for area guys, you know, I had Johnny um, yep. and Chuck from Kenny. Um, I keep up with them as much as I can. Yeah, Johnny Wolford, uh, who's with uh, Blake Rams. Bortles out yeah. in the Rams. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he just won't let it die. Wall Street continues to wait <laughs> yep. uh, for Johnny Wolford, uh, which has been cool. I mean, he did well in the AAF mm-hmm. uh, for as long as that was around and had a little bit of a cup of coffee with the New York Jets last year. He did. Uh, might have been one other team, too. Chargers. Was it the Chargers? Was the Chargers for their um, rookie camp. Okay. And now out uh, in L.A. again with the Rams uh, and <laughs> ironically with uh, Blake Bortles yep. out there uh, with the L.A. Rams. So, uh Speaking of NFL, uh, Calais Campbell, can he have another monster year? Uh, we announced yesterday on the program and on the TV side that we have a four-year agreement, uh, uh, an extension to our TV partnership with the Jacksonville Jaguars on CBS 47 and Fox 30. Part of that includes Jaguars All Access uh, at Mellow Mushroom. That show will be moved from Monday to Thursday, but it's really been a fun time 
mostly fun in 2017 when they were winning. People were hanging out the, the windows. Uh, and then the first month of last year after beating the Patriots, I mean, we've had some really cool moments. And Calais has been a big part of it, a fun part of it. So yesterday uh, during the announcement and because of that, we caught up with him, talked a little bit about the show. Uh, and he's back for a third year. It's going to be moved to Thursday night, still at Mellow Mushroom in Avondale, but Thursday night, 7 o'clock on Fox 30. We asked him about the show, and then we asked him a lot about football stuff. Here we are getting ready for training camp less than a week away. Players report next Wednesday. QBs and rookies report on Monday. So football season is here, and the Jacksonville Jaguars hope and need Calais Campbell to have another big season in a Jaguars uniform. It will be his third. So here's my conversation yesterday uh, with Calais Campbell. How much fun have you had with the show and getting involved in the community um, and, and seeing people come out? You've seen the reaction at Miller Mushroom. Yeah, it's great. You know, uh, I think the, the best thing about it is I get to, I get to practice because one day I would love to be, you know, on your side, you know, if, uh, if, if God wills. Uh, but then on the other side of it, too, it's just been in, around the community, you know, uh, especially after a big win, you know, seeing like just the Miller Mushroom get packed in there and all the fans coming in celebrating, you know, I mean, it's a good feeling. How are you feeling here? We're a week away from camp. Uh, you ready to go? You itching to go, or, or yeah, do you need another you know, couple days? I'm ready, baby. I feel feeling strong, uh, focused. You know, uh, this is the most ready I've been, so uh, I can't wait. You know, hopefully we can make this the best year yet. Your focus level seems to go up year by year. Now we've only been around you for a few years, but as you continue this thing and you, and you get a little older, a little wiser. It seems like your focus ramps up. Uh, why has that changed over the years for you? Uh, you know, I think it just gets, you get, it gets easier each year. You know, uh, you know, you, you you understand what's important. You know, and you try to take care of the small things and stay focused. You know, but I feel like uh, it also too. The closer you get to the end, the more you appreciate it. You know, and I don't know how many years I'm going to play. You know, I'm just trying to take it one year at a time and enjoy myself. But uh, I definitely appreciate this game. It's a beautiful game. Have these couple of years where you've had big years here in Jacksonville. Kind of giving you a little bit of a, a goal and target and heck even maybe Canton comes into play at some point in your own mind do you allow that to, to think about those things? Uh, I mean to be honest you know I've thought about it you know it's been in my mind most of my career really you know but uh, when you you know go through the recent past and you know it becomes a little more real you know and it's like wow you know so you know the biggest thing is uh, can you keep it going you know that's, every, that's the question every year anyway you know uh, and uh, you know you're never satisfied you always want more can you do more you know and uh, you know something that I ask myself every day when I wake up you know it's like you know am I willing to put in what it takes to be great, you know, today. And, uh, you know, I still love the game. I brought the bed aside it, and I put my work in, and, you know, hopefully it pays off. Do you think, uh, do you find now, I kind of asked you about getting a little wiser as your career goes on, but do you find that some of the work you put in in June and July and maybe even early August around here pays dividends at some point in the season? I mean, have you learned that, or did you always think that? No, no, I learned that over the years. I mean, I used to, you know, kind of get in shape right before the season started and then try to, you know, you know, go out there and make plays. And then as I matured, I learned that, like, you know, what you do in the off season really pays dividends in the season. You know, I try to teach the young guys that because a lot of these young guys have to learn the same thing I have to learn, you know. And uh, you can't just, you know, show up and try to be great. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a full-time job, and you have to put the time and effort in year-round. And, uh, you know, uh, it's really paid dividends for me.
any part of you feel like the old guy, or do you feel 27? <laughs> well, the guys in the locker room will let me feel young. You know, uh, they they tease me every day. You know, but I am I do feel young. You know, internal. You know, I keep the kid in me. I love the game of football, and I think as long as you love the game, it allows you to play young, play with passion, and uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I can keep up with the young guys. You know, I still beat them in races and stuff. You know, uh, doing that little footwork drill. We saw the footwork. Yeah, you know, I, I, it felt good. You know, making the rookies. You know, teaching them a lesson. You know. I think you're a guy that likes to smile, but you say it a couple of times you love the game. That does go away from people. They, oh, they yeah. lose the passion of the game. I mean, it seems from the outside, it's like, ah, it's a game. We'd love to play, making good money, all that. It's fun. But people do lose the passion. Why do you think you still have it to the degree you have it? You know, I think, uh, you know, the, the hardest part of it is you understand that it's a business as well. And you start learning about all the different, like, it's, it's a grind, you know. Uh, but I p- started playing this game when I was six years old. And, uh, and if you kind of keep that same childhood dream and just just that love for the game when I was a kid and try to carry it out to now, I mean, it really pays dividends. When you start doing all the other stuff, it kind of just, you know, it'll take care of itself. You don't worry about it too much, you know, because it, it will if you if you kind of forget that love and that passion uh, of the purity of the game. You know, you kind of forget that and uh, it lets all the other stuff creep in and it makes it a lot harder. But if you can keep all that kind of to the back burner and keep everything, you know, about really just the purity of the game and playing it the right way, you know, that's when you really have a great career and you know and enjoy your career this defense has always had a lot of people um a lot of great start not always in the last couple of years since you've been on it but you lose to sean gibson you know you lose barry church at, even during last year Elvin smith malik jackson uh what gives you the confidence you guys are going to be as good as you have been well i mean uh that's football, you know. Only thing guaranteed in this game is change. You know, it's going to change year in year out. Uh, I, I do think we have drafted well, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm ready to see what Ronnie Harrison does. You know, he's getting a big opportunity. And I think that's, you know, you see the way he's come along, it allows you to, you know, uh, you know, see a, a young guy, you know, his potential, and allows you to let, you know, a guy like T. Gibb go. You know, it's tough though because T. Gibb is very talented. You know, a guy that I respect a lot. Now he's, you know, on the other side, so uh, we're gonna, you know, he's gonna be competitive, and I know he's gonna be ready when he plays against us. Because that's just how it goes, you know. Uh, but but I mean, you do have confidence knowing that we've drafted well and Ron Harrison can play this game at a high level, you know. Um, and you know, hope uh, Quincy Williams steps up. You know, uh, I, I mean, I'm still holding a little little hope that Tuffin comes back. But you know, I understand that you know it's, it's tough. And uh, what you have to sacrifice to be in this game. So you know, but we do have a guy who has shown some potential. I mean, not real pads on yet, so a lot can change quickly. But you know, talking to him, looking his eyes, you know, I think he's going to step in and do and do okay. He likes when the pads come on by the way. Yeah, that's, that's what they say. You know, uh, that's what they say. So hopefully, uh, you know, uh, he will show up and show big. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I mean, uh, I mean, losing Malik, you know, that's, that's, that's definitely in the D-line room. I mean, he was not even just on the football field, but in the, in the locker room. You know, he was great for our locker room. But, you know, we were talented enough to have, you know, some young guys who would get more opportunities, you know, uh, uh, Taven, uh, bringing in a Josh Allen, you know, allows us to move around a little bit more and do some more uh, some more stuff with our, you know, on the D-line. Uh, but Marshall Darius, you know, I'm expecting a real big year out of him. So, you know, our defense is still t- stacked with a lot of talent. Uh, and, and, and we love the gang, you know. And for as long, you know, I think with Jalen and A.J. back there, you know, uh, you know, uh, shut down the receivers, giving us a split second. You know, I feel like the extra split second will pay dividends this year. All right, last one for you. Uh, Yannick situation, Telvin situation. Has it distracted you guys at all? Uh, I mean, I know your eyes are on it. You're hearing it. It's hard to escape it. 
distract the team at all? Does that, that infiltrate uh, inside this building? No, I mean, uh, I feel like, uh, you know, this is all stuff that's the business of the game, you know, and you understand that there's issues that are going to come up, you know, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, I mean, it's been the off-season program and guys are just preparing and getting ready, you know, and going into the actual season, there's a lot we have to get better at and a lot we have to focus on where that, you know, is going to be on the back burner. You know, you really can't focus on that stuff. You know, you have to stay in the moment and focus on, you know, things that we can work on to get better. And uh, But with y'all, I tell them all the time, you know, uh, I mean, just play good ball and the money take care of itself. And he understands that and he loves the game and, you know, uh, he's going to come out and it's not if, it's just when, you know, and, uh, and he's going to get paid a whole bunch of money to do this and he deserves it because he's a really good player. And, uh, you know, I, I've told him even before because, I mean, I remember talking to him when I first started practicing with him, you know, his first year. I tell him, you know, uh, you know, what's your motivation after you get the money, you know, and, you know, he made it clear that he wants to be the best, you know, so he's not one of those guys who's going to get paid and shut it down. I mean, he's going to get paid and, and probably elevate his game to another level, you know, so I'm looking forward to seeing that and his growth and, you know, the whole team, you're always happy seeing guys get paid. I mean, this game is a, it's a fun game, you know, but it's a lot more fun when you can, you know, when you can be the best of the best and he has that potential to be, you know, uh, you know, the all pro, pro bowl, you know, uh, best of the best. You've already been that, then we'll see you next week on the field. Yes, sir. Calais Campbell catching up with uh, the big fella, the mayor of Saxonville. Uh, he is hes unbelievable. He's one of the best. He's so much fun, and he's a really good football player. What does he have this year in store in 2019? Can he do it again? I asked him the Canton question. I think if he has a big year, you start thinking about Canton a bit. Then the Yannick situation is interesting because, Marcel, you know this. Nobody has pumped up Yannick Ngakwe probably more than Calais Campbell. Since, since, day the, one. since day one, he has been a big fan of Yannick Ngakwe. He thinks he's got a chance to be a Hall of Fame kind of guy. He's going to break sack records. That's what Calais has always said. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to hear him talk about getting paid and kind of tutoring him along, mentoring him along, and keeping him in a right mind and perspective. Uh, for a long time, he said he even indicated, he said it way back. I told him, it's what you do once you get the money. Don't be one of these guys that shut it down. And Yannick, we know him a little bit. I, I don't want to claim like we really know Yannick. Right. But the Yannick we know, he doesn't seem like the shutdown guy. I mean, he's got a chip that that thing doesn't go away with even $100 million, I don't think. No, I, I would 100% agree with that. And and it's like me and you were talking about this well, yesterday, I believe, while we were waiting on Kalea. just kind of the way he he – not really bolted, but kind of wasn't here for mini camp in, in uh, for mini camp. After coming, you know, the first couple of days of OTA, saying that you know I, I want to be here, I'm going to be here, yeah. you know, I want to be a leader this year, this, that, and the other. And then, like even the way he left, everyone's kind of like, uh, so which which one is it? Yeah. Um, and it's funny you brought it up, uh, which I had kind of been thinking about that too. Like, there's clearly there has to be just from the little bit we know about him, some outside you know perspectives telling him, hey, look. If you want your money, if you want your leverage, don't go. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's kind of like we, we've seen how these holdout things play out. You know, you um, you hold out till, you know, the fourth to last day of training camp. Then you show up and all fines are forgiven because everything's taken care of. Um, but I, I, I just don't see him being that guy. I just don't. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. But I said yesterday on the show, and I still believe it today, and I'll probably believe it next week. I think we will see Yannick Ngakwe here in Jacksonville next week when camp starts. I believe uh, he'll be one of the first 15 people on the field. Yeah, I, think, I think he will be here. And it's an interesting situation. You can argue his side of it for not being here. But I think we will see Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, that's my thoughts on the situation. We'll find out for sure, of course, next week when players report and when they take the field on 
Thursday. If you missed any of the Calais interview, we'll have it up on our podcast coming up a little bit later. In fact, the entire show. I know we've had a little bit of audio issues on the uh, the streaming feeds today. Uh, we haven't been able to control that much. So if you want to go back and listen to parts of the show, uh, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 on the podcast. It's up on a podcast every single day. It'll be up there uh, probably by like 7 o'clock tonight. When we come back, one more segment with Tyler Jordan, former yes, Gator, former Bishop Kenny Crusader. We're talking a little high school football, and I do have another question or two about the Gators. Okay. All right? Perfect. And I think we're going to get you some Rory McIlroy sound. I, After two days, I'm more of a fan of Rory McIlroy, I think, than I've ever been. It's coming up. All right. A player's champ. With a bad round of golf yesterday, but a couple of good moments because of it. We'll have that on ESPN 690 coming up. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. You know, so part of me disappointed, emotional, but happy with what I played. Um... You know the support I got out there was was incredible, and 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 you could see out there on the back nine, if I got that momentum a little bit yesterday, I I, I sort of you know I went with it today, and you know that's what I was planning to do all week, and as you said yesterday, give me a a big mountain to climb, um, but I I dug in there, I tried my best, I showed really good resilience. Um, it's gonna it's gonna hurt for a little bit, but um. You know, I'm, you know, I've got a, I guess the good thing about golf, I've got a tournament to play in Memphis next week, so I'm going to turn my attention to that. But uh, this has been a week that I've been looking forward to for a long time. You know, I didn't play my part, but, you know, everyone um, in Northern Ireland that came out to watch me, you know, they definitely played theirs. That's Rory McIlroy, an emotional Rory McIlroy, uh, after failing to make the cut, missed by one shot. He's hurt. Uh, at the Open Championship. He shot – I'm not like a massive Rory McIlroy fan, but I'm not like a hater. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm cool with McIlroy. He, he won the Players' Championship. Um, but I really – I'm like, okay, if he wins, great. If he doesn't, whatever. I think in the last two days I've become a big McIlroy fan. Shot 79, which was a miserable round. He shot an eight, he had an 8 on the first hole then shoots a 79-8 over in his homeland. It was a big event for him in Northern right. Ireland. And predicted to win. I mean, he's the favorite going in. And uh, basically shoots himself out of the tournament. He he did interviews yesterday after that round. Owned it. Did interviews. Uh, not just one, but multiple. And then today, he, he knew he needed something crazy to make the cut. And he comes one shot away. Uh, shoots a 65. I mean, that's... You talk about a competitor, a guy playing and, and really fighting just to, to make it in this event alone and then to see all the emotion. I've become a big uh, McElroy fan in uh, the last 48 hours, uh, which is good for him. Uh, I, I think he won a lot without winning the event uh, at home. It would have been cool to see him uh, play on the weekend as well. And by the way, if he had made the weekend, he would only be nine shots off the lead and he would still have a chance. Have a shot. Doable. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean. You never know. Right. Wind blows, you never know. So uh, 
Uh, too bad that he, he wasn't able to get it done. But uh, emotional sound from Rory McIlroy after missing the cut at the Open Championship. J.B. Holmes in the lead. The story there, keep an eye on Lee Westwood on the weekend. I don't know if he can do it for two more rounds, but he's one shot back. Guy's never won a major, and I don't even know where he's been playing golf for the last five years. Haven't heard his name mm-hmm. <laughs> seemingly in forever. Hey, uh, Scott, we got Austin Lane on the line, don't we? Yes, we do. My My machine over here is, like, lit up in green. I usually get like reddish or pinkish and yellow, but I don't know what green means. Do I have to accept the call or did you already do that? <laughs> oh, he's there. He's right there now. There he is. What's up, Lane? Green means money, Brent. Green means money. <laughs> well, you better get, money. get the money tomorrow. How was the oh, way I'm in? I'm trying to, man. So the way in's been good. Actually, uh, went through a little, I don't want to say adversity, but um, for the first time in my career, my opponent didn't make weight. So we had our weigh-ins uh, from 10 a.m. to noon. So that's why I had to get down here so early. And uh, he ended up weighing in the first time at 271. And then the second time, he weighed in at 269. So obviously, the the heavyweight maximum was 265. So I had the opportunity to, you know, figure out whether I was going to fight or not. Obviously, I came this way. I put the time in. I'm definitely still going to fight him. So he'll get penalized um, for weighing over. And uh, it, it is what it is. How does that work, man? That. Austin Lane joining us from Tallahassee. He fights tomorrow. Cam Graham, the opponent, back in the cage uh, for Austin and uh, keep the winning streak going. What uh, What does that mean? How will he be penalized? So they're, they're going to take a cut out of his uh, out of his paycheck. I'm not sure if I can even tell how much it is yet until the fight actually happens. But I got you. He will have to sacrifice a cut for missing weight. How much of a chance are you taking here then? I mean, four pounds doesn't seem like much to me, but uh, you yeah. obviously want to fight. But, you know, the the idea here is you could put yourself in a bit of a disadvantage. I mean, you're weighing in at like 245, so he's got 25 pounds on you. Uh, what was the thought process there? Yeah, I mean, there really was no thought process. You know, he's kind of on the the shorter side. So we were confident with this fight regardless of how much he weighed um, with my length and my athleticism. So we we like the fight regardless of how much the guy weighs. And the fact is that, you know, I mean, um, at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's three or four extra pounds. It's like I always say, Brent, if you weigh over 206 pounds in in this business, if if you throw a straight punch, you connect on the button, the guy's going to go to sleep regardless. So, it doesn't matter if he's 207 or if he's 280. Um, if, if you throw the right punch, it's going to knock somebody out. So I'm, I'm confident in my ability at 245 pounds. Yeah, we are too, man. Go get it. Uh, you know, I wouldn't have made weight either, but I would have. I, I worked out today, so now I'm 205. So I wouldn't have made nice, the 206 nice. limit. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate it. And by the way, if I was if I was 206, man, it w- it would need I'd need more than one punch. <laughs> well, see, that's why we have to get you in the gym, Brent. I can teach you. Uh, I bench pressed today, um, like a hundred and uh, uh, sixty pounds, I think it was, maybe fifty, forty. Something did, you like that. A, did you put on Instagram? <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not. Well, 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 then you know what? Then it didn't happen. Bro. Oh, no. <laughs> Next time. I Next time. Next time. Uh, all right, man. Hey, good luck tomorrow night. Make sure, again, you got to share the information. I know it's not top of mind, but we want to all watch, yeah. and we want to share it along with all the fans. And uh, uh, good luck tomorrow. I know you feel good about this one. You you worked hard. So uh, go get a W, all right? I appreciate it, man. And Tyler, man, I appreciate you taking my spot for the day. Just don't get too comfortable, though, please. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Bells, man. Next man up. Next man up. <laughs> I get appreciate it, man. <laughs> All right, bud. Good luck tomorrow. All right, Austin Lane has a fight tomorrow night against Cam Graham. That was interesting about the weigh-in stuff. Didn't realize that. Uh, um, And so 
if you want to come back and do this again, Tyler, you'll have to fight Austin for this spot. Yeah, I, I think you got him. Well, I'm a lot heavier. I'm a lot bigger than him and heavier than him. But <laughs> do you wouldn't make the 265 cutoff? No, no, it's a no way. Fight. How heavy were you at your heaviest at Florida? Heaviest, um, say about 330-ish. Have a seat, coach. You're not 330 now. No, I'm 323. Are you really? Yeah. Wow, you carry 323 well. Yeah, well, as Coach Hevesy likes big guys, so he likes recruiting big guys. Like we we signed a kid that was close to 400 pounds, and he's they've already knocked a bunch of weight off of him. Wow. Oh, you know what? I so. didn't even ask you. I got to ask you real quick. We got to go rapid fire before the end of the yeah, show. You're good. Jawan Taylor. Yes. Great guy. I mean, great dude. This guy, these different linemen build though, man. He's speaking of bench press and he's, yeah, he's chiseled. Got a six pack. He's got a six pack. That does not happen on the offensive line. Not often. The only I think the only other person I've seen with a six pack is Tyron Smith. Yeah. Okay. Why is he? Uh, what makes him second round pick? And a lot of people thought he might be a first round pick, top ten guy. Right. Jags get a steal potentially in the second round. Right. Uh, what makes him so good? I don't know. He's he's committed, you know, and he stays away from the negative stuff. Um, he's just a g- overall good dude. Um, I'm not just saying this because I play with him. He's um, he's a good friend, and he kind of hangs around everybody. You yeah. know, he'd go fishing with us and go hang out with his other buddies. Um, but just an all around great dude. Yeah, I think I, with his head on straight. You know, that jumps out at you too. I mean, we've talked to him a bunch now at mm-hmm. the draft, and, and you know, here and even in pro day. Right. I uh, good guy jumps right out at you. Uh, but can he be nasty? In the yeah. run game, and that's his. I think he, the book on him, and I'm not an offensive line guru, right. is that he might probably has a little pass pro work to do, but he'll he can help you be that road grader kind of guy. Right. Is that about can. accurate? That's pre- that's pretty accurate. Well, they hope so. Leonard Fournette hopes so. We all hope so. Uh, okay. One other college football question. Okay. Actually, two. Nutritionist in the college game. Right. How important? Very important. Really? Yes. It's uh, so weird, right? I guess nutritionists everywhere, but why? Um, well, they they kind of, well, a they don't they don't be like, hey, eat this, eat this, eat this. Yeah. They give you suggestions, and whenever you have questions about whether it's food, um, your hydration and water intake, or even um, supplements, you know, they give you a kind of list in terms of supplements, what you can take, what you can't take, or if you send them a picture of the logo, they'll kind of look it up for you and let you know. Okay. Um, also, they kind of set the schedule for catering, getting us catered food. And um, kind of getting the menu at training table set up. Yeah. Um, road trips. Yes. Wait, road all road trips. Um, getting us our team meals set up before the games. Um, the morning meals, the day of the game. Um, whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, it's a lot. So, okay. What are the Gators gonna do this year? Give me a record. Um, do not say undefeated. No, do no, not no. Over, I, 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 back if you say undefeated. <laughs> no, I think there's two games that'll um, two games that'll give them trouble. I think LSU is gonna be one to watch, and I think Georgia is gonna be the one to watch. How tired were you after losing 74 to 73 or 73 to 72 to Clay back in high school? Uh, as soon as I sat down on the bed after the game, I cramped up. Um, it was awful. I said it might that be was a the, fun game, but I said it might be the best game like you could ever find. And Tyler said it would have been the best game ever if there were two more points for Bishop Kenny. <laughs> yeah, that was an unbelievable game. That, yeah, that's one I'll always remember. I think everybody but, will remember. It's going to be a tough one to top. Uh, was it seventy four, seventy three, or seventy three, seventy two? Seventy three, seventy two. Okay, Clay uh, won that shootout. Uh, that was a wild one at Bishop Kenny. Hey man, thanks for sitting in. Yeah, no problem. It was thanks fun. for having me. Have a good weekend. Uh, we'll see you over at Bishop Kenny. Good luck. Hope you get the teaching job yeah, and good so luck too. with the uh, coaching job. Thanks. All right. Have a, we'll have get a good you one. back in. You got to talk. Pay attention to sports now because we'll get you back in right, sometime. Yeah, let me know. Should I mean, Austin's going to fight again, so. I know. <laughs> Not you.
<laughs> By the way, nice hat. You can bring yeah. that to your dad. Tell him you did fine, okay? Uh, yeah, he said he was going to call in earlier, but... He should have called! Well, oh, come on, Pops. Star Star 690, tell him to call us. All right. Like next week, or the next time. Hey, next time I'm in, I'll have him call. Check out Marcel Robinson on TV tonight. He's got TV duty, CBS 47 and Fox 30. I do. Better I do, do your hair. Get the hat off, unless you want to wear the hat. Come on, man. I cut my hair this morning. You're, We're good to go. You will look fine. Never an issue. Not an issue. Saturday, Action Sports Shacks primetime. Sunday, Action Sports Shacks primetime. 10.30 on Fox 30, 11.30 on CBS 47. We're doing a fan-related show on Sunday night's primetime, so make sure you check that one out. Well, it'll look like a Halloween party, most likely, but it's all about the fans on Sunday. And then when we talk to you on Monday, football season has officially arrived. Quarterbacks and rookies report on Monday. Hope you have a good weekend, everybody. Have fun of the Rolling Stones if you're headed there. Thanks for listening on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690.